Uh oh, it's for real now. Oop. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop audio shop for all things rocks and rocking out. So a brief overview of this evening's episode will include the intros and the lows, followed by new news and our new segment, The Triple Junction. Our main discussion will be all things reefs, what they are, the environmental impacts they face, yada, yada, yada. And between the bars of our main discussion, we present to you another Mineral Minute. And then before signing off, we'll close things out with another That Freaking Rocks. A big thank you to all our listeners out there for allowing us to be played between your earballs, both to our new listeners and to our returning listeners alike, and for sp- spending your time with <laughs> yeah, us. I do that every time. I can't not. And spending your time with us each week. So if you'd like to reach out to us, whether it be for episode ideas, answers you're wanting answered, if you fancy <laughs> if you fancy being a guest or just tell us about all the times we have misspoke, you can reach us at geologyotr at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at geologyontherockspodcast. So it looks like things are squared away over here. And without further ado, to all of you over there, I am your host, James the Geologist. And I'm Brian Baggins. And this is Geology Geology on the the Rocks. Rocks. Well, hey, man. That was nice. That was. We finally got it. Yeah. We got it down, but uh, it's because we're face to face. It is. Okay. It is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. hey, I think before uh, we go any further, I say we should introduce our guest this week, Absolutely. Dr. Greta Bowling. Hi. Welcome. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And I just want to say your last name is Baggins. No. <laughs> I am obsessed with like, Lord of the Rings. I so, love Lord of the yeah. Rings. I have action figures. I have tattoos. <gasps> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, no, my last name is Frameth, but people that know me that know I'm obsessed, just last name, they just call me Baggins. Yeah, I think love we, that. I think I we had that. like a whole, it was, I came up with it for you for the, the show because of an email that I read on your Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was like Mr. Baggins, and I'm like, that's perfect. Brian Baggins and James the Geologist. <laughs> yep. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, some of Greta's credentials. So she has her undergraduate education from Stephen F. Austin State University in Nashville. Cadocious, where she majored in biology and minored in chemistry. She has her doctorate of education from University of North Texas, and her major was developmental physiology, whatever that is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just giving you our time. Well, you said doctorate of education. It's a biology, okay. actually. Well, okay. Okay, so doctorate of biology yes. from UNT, and you did your research in developmental physiology. Boom. 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 Just Boom. like that. And then she did her postdoctoral fellowship. <laughs> from UNT in the science education, creating programs to integrate pedagogical training in graduate school at UNT. And her research focused on STEM completion at a four-year research institution. Uh, so she's, we can basically leave and she can do this? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, go, so like, go ahead and go. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. What were you saying, Brian? No, yeah. I mean, you are so overqualified. Oh my God. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah we're, we're like... Going to be soon, maybe eventually, doctor. 
But you're, yeah. hey, let's not, let's not take it away from, you were doing your state board examination yeah, to become a professional that's geologist. a little different, but. It's, but still, yeah. it skins on the wall, honey. We'll see how that goes. I still haven't framed my diploma. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. gosh. Just saying. What? Maybe what? you will after this. After this. Yeah. After this, yeah. <laughs> you're going to, we're going to get such amazing feedback. They're like, we want Dr. Bowling <laughs> back with us. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. make a date with Hobby Lobby. Yeah, oh, that's, awesome. that's how you do it. Yeah, okay. And then she is full-time faculty member with Tarrant County College in Fort Worth, Texas, teaching majors, biology, environmental biology, and anatomy and physiology. So the the anterior, posterior. All oh, that. Here we go. Oh, yeah. man. I, I did that in high school. And like those wordings, like uh, we'll get into it. It's like another how, language. Yeah. But uh, she was awarded the Chancellor's Award for Exemplary Teaching in 2017. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and then she was most recently appointed as Life Sciences Chair for our Northwest Campus at TCC. Yeah, it was, she, it's actually my turn. So it was it your was turn. Less appointed, more it's your turn. Like you got to do this. Step up to the plate. But that's still you like, were still qualified to do it. Yeah, I suppose they weren't. They at least gave you your turn. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna skip skip this skipping one. your turn." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she development of partnership program between TCC and MCCH, which is the Marine Creek Collegiate High. School to foster a culture of environmental awareness by creating informed land leaders of tomorrow up until 2015. <laughs> <laughs> just from where I was reading now. No, the program was created in 2015. And that's yes. kind of where we got to kind of know yeah. each other and start working together because you kind of, I guess, oh man, you plucked me out. I did. As soon as I saw you, it was the first day of like the big meeting where we're all sitting there together and they introduce you and you pop up and you're like all energetic. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, him. Yes. Yeah. We geologists yeah. in our group so yeah he will work yes well i mean then brian brian's the real geologist like so i like we've had this <laughs> we've had, we've you're, had you're the, a fake geologist no but <laughs> but like okay so he actually does like field work and does examination i feel like my investigatory yeah like ended with like my thesis in yeah like geology geology like do you sometimes feel like like yeah. you're not like you're not a real scientist anymore <laughs> but you you are because <laughs> you're, you're no, training you a future scientist and like we talk enough you still got it yeah you know? maybe maybe you're very I, smart. If, if you don't got it then i don't either because i we always agree yeah no so, i don't do we it, we it, don't agree on how we say what's the word damn it no uh <laughs> no not that word yes <laughs> we'll get to it aronite aronite no it's aronite i don't know why that's like anyways <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So that's kind of like we know each other from. And then you also helped me out two weeks ago on that for what I'm doing with my PhD. Because like it's kind of like I want to examine the program that we're working with to see whatever that is. But <laughs> when it's not in front of me, I'm just like, Ugh. no, no. I mean, it's important to make sure that that the efforts that we're going are going through are actually having an impact on the students. So yes, yes. It, I'm excited that you are willing to come up with a true assessment, perhaps just to gauge yeah no they learning I, anything yeah so well with that so we've done the intros yeah, and hello welcome. so here's cheers we're gonna all cheers Woo! sounds like crystal <laughs> <laughs> oh. mm. <laughs> the healing powers of crystal oh I god <laughs> Just post that as our... <laughs> no, never mind. Oh, we need to do an episode of that. Of, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess, should we do a little new news, my friend? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I got us a new uh, background music for this, this week. It's a, it's a waltz. It's a, I, this is a nice waltz. One, two, three. One, one two, three. three one. Period. All right, so... <laughs> 
My new news story this week is I introduced to us or I bring back to the forefront is the naked mole rats. Like they wow, make the they headlines just, again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Popular so, fellows. Yeah. So this research was, I mean, it's a recent published in the current biology. So if you remember my story out there about the naked mole rats before about having different dialects based on their colony that was made by the cream. Well, today yeah. I bring to you another fascinating quirk that these little monstrosities have. So the, the naked mole rat or the heterosexual Cephalus glaber? Glaber? Biologist. Is that glaber or glaber? I like glaber. Glaber? Okay, so the heterocephalus glaber, as we know it, uh, live a really long time, rarely get cancer, have a high pain tolerance, and have different dialects. Well, it turns out that they have a weakness, and hmm. that weakness is O2, so breathable oxygen. So it, it turns out that they, that they really rely on high levels of carbon dioxide in their immediate environment. Otherwise, they have seizures. Like, right? So... <laughs> So the, the CO2 is actually key to the creature's health and well-being. And it turns out that genetic mutations explain this resilience on the carbon dioxide. And the researchers think that these findings might actually eventually help us better find treatments for humans who suffer from seizures and similar neurological conditions. So what they notice is that they, when the rats, when they reach fresh oxygen-rich air of the outdoors, their minds start to race, which can bring on these seizures. And it encourages them not to venture too far from the crowded burrows. And then the, and the research they were able to track down the cause of the CO2 dependency to a common genetic variant called the R952H, which in turn affects the, I guess, the, the KCC2 protein that's responsible for regulating the amount of chloride in the brain's neurons. And then with that, from the KCC2 no longer functioning as normal, the chloride can't do its job, keeping neurons calm and quiet when necessary. And so when the brains of the naked mole rats of this have this tendency to go into overdrive and seize up. So in other words, the default setting for a naked mole rat brain <laughs> is to be more uninhibited than is really safe. And it, I guess it, it, it's pools of the CO2 rich environment that leads them back to the nest and their communities where that brain imbalance can be corrected. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's major. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I feel like, could you imagine just, I, I know what they're talking about, that anxiety whenever you're just like in, on the bottom of a dog pile and you can't breathe and oh, you're like, yeah. ah, ah, ah. You, How often are you in the bottom of a dog pile? Often? Hey, I have some crazy parties over here, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, but or when you're under the blank, I don't know. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. Okay. <laughs> but like, so anyways, yeah, like, yeah. So anxiety, naked mole rats. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's because we're not getting enough O2, but that's where these naked mole rats are thriving. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I love it. Hypoxic <laughs> environments. Yeah, they, they like it. They like it down there. When you said naked mole rat, I thought these are probably the kind that are living in my garage right now. They're huge. <laughs> no, really? We're trying to kill them. Oh, all the rats? Yeah, oh. humanely as possible. Okay. You could become a falconer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting a cat. That's, that. that's a that good We have two. You want? You can have both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, I wasn't going to say, like, yeah, these naked mole rats are, like, hideous things. They're terrible. Looking. They're, I mean, they're naked. Yeah. What? So, yeah. you know. They're like hairless cats, but they, hairless rats, ooh. moles. Things. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Huddled together yeah. in the 200s. Little, probably teeny tiny eyes, they, right? Yeah. Moles. It, they're just. Mole rats. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, they're, I mean, they're basically blind. blind so they, yeah. they, 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 that's why they, they developed the dialect. And then, <laughs> yeah, they're very, what's the word? Hideous? Xenophobic. <laughs> oh, so they're, yeah, they're very, because yeah, yeah. if you don't have that dialect and you're another mole rat and you go in there, they'll, they'll attack you and kill you. Eat you. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I'm going to continue on the biological news. So my article deals with coal snail venom, <laughs> basically <laughs> tricking worms that want to mate into becoming foods. 
So these worms, they're different worms. I'm not sure which ones they are, but they hide out on the seafloor. And what happens is at night they are exposed to moonlight and the there's chemicals that are released. And all of a sudden the it becomes a sexosome. What? So like you always have the best stories. <laughs> I do. And so like <laughs> it, these chemicals inhibit horny worms. <laughs> so and they, they do these spiral movements and what? then they find a mate based on the spiral movements. The snails have figured this out. They're they're actually like cone snails. That's pretty and, cool. Like, and they shoot these little harpoons <laughs> that have these pheromones and it releases and then it'll start tricking the females to start spinning. And then the males just start ejaculating. <laughs> The, and, it's, it's, the male worms. Yes. Okay, and so okay. then I'm trying to picture this. Then they're all in this, and the snail just comes up and it's like, <laughs> it's like easy pickings. <laughs> yeah. So that's my. So they discover this in a lab. Okay. Okay. Now they're gonna try it out and do some diving and see if that actually is what happens on the seafloor. So they discovered it in a lab. Does that mean they were just like one day, one afternoon? They just randomly I, had the, I the, think the so. snail in with the worms. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Like I he don't know like, how so you, it's almost how do you like discover that. I don't know, but I feel like it's just one of the things like from observation, and then they're like, "Oh, this is kind of yeah, weird." Like why? Well, like, why would they put the two again. together? Yeah, try it again. Why would they put them together? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I wasn't there. But, <laughs> but you didn't say but that. I, I'm yeah, glad I, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like, this gives me some good ideas. Maybe I could do that. But to all these, yes. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, right. Okay. So my, I like to kind of keep on the same thing, the CO2. We're not going to get into it because I feel like we're already pressed up against the time, but recent research has been paid attention to the Amazon forest. And I'm just going to leave it at this is that it's no longer, I guess, a carbon sink. A new comprehensive study suggests that the Amazon rainforest is now actually a net contributor to warming of the planet. Right. So that's where I'm going to leave that just as a teaser, because I know we've had, we've talked about the Amazon forest before yeah. and the problem with the deforestation station but so i think that they they took into account not just the the anthropomorphic no anthropogenic so they're saying like the net yeah. like as it being dried out natural causes too are actually leading to it since it's warming up it's drying out and mm. that what i found the like one of the most interesting was that that due to all of this that it's it could transition to a drier woodland savanna rather than a, yeah. a rainforest and oh, they wow. say that the tipping point if a little as 20 to 25 percent of the rainforest is cleared that it could have this overall net effect of turning into a savanna. So, I mean, it's pretty... Um, yeah. That's a pretty big shift. Yeah. Rainforest to savanna. Right. right. Someone sent me this article, actually, earlier oh, was in it, the week. Was it your one of your other guitarists? That he... No, I was, I was gonna do that story. <laughs> that, that was cool. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. They found that meteorite that yeah. was that was the, a proto. But they they sent this and they said, "Oh, the Amazon produces so much methane. So why are we trying to save it?" What? And so that's I wanted to. I'm glad you brought this article up because you can't just read a headline. That a lot I, of it is clickbait. Yeah. And so the headline they gave was like the Amazon emits X amount of methane into the air, and so it's basically contributing more to global warming. Yeah. But as you read through the article and then read the papers it if we the one thing that it is doing is doing still trying to be the carbon sink that it is yeah even though we're destroying its capability so therefore yeah. you're not uptaking as much <clears throat> right. CO2 so now because of us it's doing so much worse yeah because so, you have that and yeah. then you have the compaction of all that stuff going on yeah. and we see with the runoff but so yeah it, no it that methane's produced from the the biodegradation degradation yeah the, and it, yeah the, like the, that word the, the, the undergrowth well, the so, floor 
it doesn't really ex- like none of it will absorb it so it just goes straight up yeah and then we know that methane from a molecule to molecule basis that it is ch4 oh well yeah it's ch4 <laughs> that's all i know yeah it's ch4 <laughs> yeah. but compared to co2 i think it's like 60 to 80 times oh, greater right, yeah. at absorbing the, yeah. the 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 long wave radiation the infrared mm. yeah it's basically this article is just what's happening is very sad <laughs> yeah and we do not need to stop the fight to save the rainforest no <laughs> i mean please read full articles before yeah. you uh yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's the thing too <laughs> yeah it's like but it, it's it's going i mean i feel like you know we're going to be talking about the rainforest yeah. of the ocean read yeah the, read the article and then also read who paid for the research yeah that's a big one yeah yeah, yeah. that's because it does exist biased research mm. is a big thing yeah so yeah sure. so triple junction yeah so for fanfare yes i'd like to give a special shout out to our new listeners adrian and taniel is, yeah. that, is that a good way to say yeah. that yeah please tell us in comments on whatever post we make that i butchered your name i hope not <laughs> but thank you for listening we we really like hearing from everybody and what what you liked about the podcast what you didn't what you're doing while you're listening to the podcast someone maybe no, it was, yeah was it no, Adrian? It, yeah and i know yeah. that we couldn't she couldn't find a just a one question about glaciers so we might yeah. need to dedicate the whole episode to what she sounds uh, good kind of like what she is yeah. and then i would like to have a special shout out to tom for your constant kind words and a big thanks to everyone who helped with the questions for next week's episode and we also do like the interaction so keep it up and woo. tom was my first facebook friend was it <laughs> he was my first uh first MySpace myspace friend. oh my bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's right i'll never forget the Did white you have a tea. MySpace? yes I feel like the background. And no, everything? I feel oh, like, yeah. do you think like we're not that much difference in age? That was the thing. It's like that, three years, yeah. Greta. Okay. I didn't have email till grad school. I didn't have a cell phone till I was 20. So uh, yeah, I didn't, I grew up like we didn't get the internet until like I was in eighth grade. The yeah. internets. Yeah. Oh, the, the internet. Yeah. So I think for feedback, I think this episode is going to be long enough so we can skip that part. And then with the follow-ups, I, I'm sure there was plenty of missed speaks in our <laughs> in our past episode concerning like the estuaries and I'm still getting to editing all of the the previous ones that we've done so if I've misspoke if Brian misspoke if anyone misspoke we apologize in advance and I think it's on to the main discussion so yeah. on to episode 24 we go so we named this one the shelf conscious reef I like <laughs> I don't know the I always make silly silly names for them and then I figured we could talk about the the geologic setting of reefs then get into a little bit of the biology of the reefs then we could maybe talk about the environmental impacts that they have and that they're facing and some possible solutions and maybe a tangent between here and there. So uh, I guess, does that sound like a plan or might I ask if anyone has any objections? All good. I'm All good. Good, you good, yes. good, good. Okay. <laughs> and I'm excited. Now we're getting into the meat and the potatoes. So, okay. So organic reefs and these types of environments, they, they, they form on the outer shelf of many rimmed platforms and they can really be characterized by the presence of a nearly continuous carbonate shelf that constitute an effective barrier to wave movement across the shelf. They can also develop as fringing masses Mm -hmm. uh, along shorelines or isolated patches within the inner shelf. And they're going to have a unique depositional environment that's going to differ greatly from what adjacent environments Mm -hmm. in other parts of the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been studied intensely for years by biologists, geologists, oceanologists, (laughs) 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 but um, discussion of reefs has long been plagued by confusion over the precise meaning of the term reef. 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 Reefer. 
<laughs> We're not even the mineral minute. No, no. I'm like so, starting to sweat. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah. So like I know there seems to be, I guess, disagreement on whether to restrict the use of the term reef to carbonate buildups or bioherms. Uh, and and I really don't like that word. But herms and herpes is too close. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Herpes. I'm never gonna do it the same. <laughs> Biohermbees. Herpes. Herpes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do this cross-section. That's a bio-herpes. Yeah, bio-herpes. <laughs> so yeah, like they have this rigid organic framework or core built of colonial organisms or to extend the definition to include carbonate buildups or other types that do not have a rigid framework core. Yeah, when we say bioherm, it's, it's going to be a non-specific term used for lens-like bodies of organic origin that they're enclosed in rocks of different lithology or characters. So a bioherm, it's it may or may not have a rigid internal organic framework. You're right. So the the term carries no connotation to really the internal structure or composition of the lens itself. And then really by contrast, we can use the term biostrome, which is a tabular body of carbonate rock, such as uh, typically formed in your non-reef platform environments. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the carbonate buildup and like what we think of like the carbonate platform. It's it, that term is going to be used for a body of locally formed or auto I can't ever say the word I'm trying to say octagonic I think that's it I think yeah which just oh. means that it it, it was yeah that it was um oh no you did get it right did I get it right yeah there we go either works auto but that means that it it, it is where it formed <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. um, so a loctothonic would mean the opposite, that it's been transported and in its orientation somewhere else. I so, believe, I yeah. believe every word you said. <laughs> okay. Well, so, but, but it's going to be, it's, it was formed there. It's laterally restricted carbonate sediment. That's going to possess topographic relief, but it, it has no regard to the internal makeup of the buildup. So, okay. um, so a carbonate buildup is basically a reef in the loosest sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we can further define a reef as any biologically influence buildup of carbonate sediment, which affected deposition in ancient areas, and thus different to some degree of surrounding sediments, and stood topographically higher than surrounding sediments during deposition. Yeah, but so most reefs define in this way, they're built by larger organisms. They're capable of thriving in really energetic environments. Yeah, and then when we said, so like the, the topographic relief, so they're going to have some kind of height to them. That's Yeah. So they're not going to be kind of like in this flat yeah, area. I think of Think of Finding Nemo, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's like we'll we'll get into the zones later, but you have that little relief, and then he like looks out on the expanse of the ocean. That's exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because it's, it's it's you're towards the 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 shelf, and then right. you have the the slope that kind yep. of goes off into the abyss. So yeah, but but <laughs> <laughs> my God, that was us late last night. That you, wasn't me. You you were like shh, and so I was oh, like yeah. I was like but. So, okay, so on to topic two. So what are reefs when we talk about? And then we'll really get, we'll get to pick uh, Greta's mind, Yeah. right? So biologically speaking, we know that most modern reefs form in shallow water. So the most striking are the linear reefs located along platform margins, so commonly called barrier reefs, which I'm sure is what most people imagine in their brain balls when they hear someone say coral reef, yeah. right? Like, so <laughs> finding Nemo. Right. Yeah, and they're, so like... They're going to run parallel to the coastline, but they can be separated by fairly 
wide lagoons. Mm -hmm. And and I mean that like they're separated by the coastline, right? They're more or less laterally continuous. The reef trend may extend for hundreds of kilometers. For example, the Great Barrier Reef, as you're talking about, of Australia. And that's going to run for about 1,900 kilometers along the eastern shelf (laughs) of Australia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you're speaking about the Great Barrier Reef. And so biologically speaking, there's over 600 species of coral, while other reefs like the Caribbean Reef has about 65. That's Mm. a a big difference. Yeah, Yeah, that's huge. That'd be statistically significant. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And so today, many reefs have 40 to 50% less coral than they did just 30 years ago. Man. So sad. Dun, dun, dun. So so I have a tangent, Brian and Greta. I think I'm starting this new weekly trend, but I'm going to do this. Ah, poems by James. <laughs> so I found a poem about the Great Barrier Reef of Australia, which comes to us by A.H. Shafnovsky, and it goes a little something like this. The Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> oh, God. There is a beauty beyond belief in Australia's Great Barrier Reef. When sunlit turquoise seas ripple in the breeze, the soft, clean golden sands embrace the verdant lands. And you may lie at ease beneath tall coconut trees. You can watch the seagulls fly in an azure-colored sky. I like azure. Or stroll along the shore, finding places to explore. Beneath the surface of the sea, there lies a world, a word of fantasy. <laughs> I think it's world. Should be world. I think yeah. Yeah. Like that it. makes more sense. <laughs> So a place so different from the land, a world untouched by human hand, dun, 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 wrong. Amid the shallows of the deep, countless creatures crawl and creep. Along the sandy floor, among the corals near the shore, fishes yellow, blue, and green, black and red, and often seen, swimming in the coral reef, beauties beyond belief. Further out beyond the bay swims the giant... Okay, that's a long... You know what? It took a turn for me when we got to countless creatures crawl and creep, like it turned into like a nightmare. Oh, did it? With the music. like the cool chills. Yeah. Yeah. But I would have preferred you do it in an Australian accent. I felt like that uh, would have been I, better. Uh, I always... Oh, fuck. I really, I, okay. I really want you to finish the poem. Okay, where were we at? Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, but I, I agree. Like when Further he said, out beyond okay. the bay. When it swims. said deep and deep. crawl and creep, I was like... Crawl right? and creep. Yeah. Along the sandy ocean floor, <laughs> among the corals near the shore, <laughs> fishes yellow, blue, and green, black and red are often seen, swimming in the coral reef, beautiful beyond belief. Further out beyond the bay swims the giant Monterey. I don't know if that's right. Swordfish, <laughs> sharks, and turtles. No, no, that's English. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> turtles, like too. Ah, frick, uh, share the waters of the blue. If there's, we see the giant whales slapping the water with their tails. A school of dolphins leap and play in the salty ocean spray. Of all the places that I've been, that's English, but anyways, there's nothing I have seen to match the natural splendor there. It's truly beyond compare. I love that. That was wonderful. And we may continue. Yeah. And not to offend any Australian. No, no. I'm going to have some Australians listen to this episode. Okay. How about you ask me where my thesis was? Yeah. Where was your thesis, James? <laughs> I asked him one episode and he was like <laughs> he forgot it was, no I didn't I, it's Are you, western you, Australia it yeah, was, it was yeah. processing because it's it the southern Canadian yeah. base it wasn't like he Australia. forgot he was Very just technical. like I did a, a geophysical analysis of a underexplored basin there I need go. to talk to you about S&P waves okay and refraction okay after this okay okay Okay. don't ask me what my dissertation title was what's your dissertation title I don't remember 
Yeah, see, it's <laughs> probably normal. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, my thing was like, I think all in all, it was like, mine's non existent. Mine was physi- it was physiology. <laughs> I was looking at, oh, yeah. Okay, say it. But yeah, I was I was looking at humidity effects during incubation for chicken eggs. Oh, wow. you told me how you don't like want to. No, I don't like to open chicken eggs. So with do you live don't eat eggs now? No, I eat I eat eggs, but I also this reminds me. Okay, this is a total sidebar, and you can no, 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 we are not. So <laughs> this is staying in. Yeah, well, when I was pregnant, I had these nightmares. Well, I would have a baby, and there'd uh. be like this chicken embryo. <laughs> That had no internal organs because I had, you know, scooped them out and such. Anyways. And you messed it with the humidity? Is that? Yeah. Because it influenced, it's like almost like fetal programming. Okay. For like kidney, renal function. Because when you're born, you're born with the number of nephrons you have and that's it. Yeah. You don't make more. Can you tell us what a a nephron is? Is that something to do with the? It's the functional unit of the kidney. Kidney. Oh, okay. Like nephrology. That's where that comes from? Not nephilim. See, I don't even. Nephilim is nephilim kidneys. (laughs) Or how about nephilim? (laughs) Nephilim? Uh, Nefarious. Oh, okay. That's evil. <laughs> now I have to know why Nephilim is spelled the way it is. Any, oh, I don't know. Well, I yeah. love. Because Nephilim's a feldspathoid. Yeah, it's the. It's a mineral. We're being nerds now. <laughs> We're, you Sorry. wanted to bring in like, okay. the kidney. Sorry, yeah. Calcium, that's a mineral I like. And the human body. Okay. It's okay. very useful. Calcium is a. It's an element. element. <laughs> What? Yeah. It's an element. Well, we call it a mineral. Y'all, okay, so maybe in biology they call it. It's more it, of a mineral. But it, but I think it would be more of like a calcium. It's a, it's part of a compound, right? Like, yeah, it's so, absolutely on the periodic table. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying like it's. But I feel like that's it's, a but, good that's a good discussion sometime maybe or now. We'll bring you back for yeah, that. Because, so we like, so I know there are, because I remember Dr. Basu, he would talk about gallstones. Or oh, like, yeah, right? being like, so beautiful. beautiful like, under crystalline. a microscope. Oh, yeah. But like it's a calcium buildup, but I feel like it it's a what like a not a calcium carbonate, is it? I don't know what they they would be. But there's mineralization of the bones. Yeah. Right. But it's that would I, be a really cool episode. So we should think about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Well, on to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about the Great Barrier Reef when we talk about reefs, right? So get this stretching over five hundred and fifty miles from yeah. Cancun to Honduras. Hmm. The Mesoamerican Barrier Reef is the world's second largest coral reef reef system. Attracting <laughs> attracting some <laughs> 150,000 people to Mexico each year, so tourism. Yeah, that's cool. Another significant reef is located between Sahara and Arabian deserts. The Red Sea Coral Reef is noteworthy for its ability to withstand extreme temperature changes. Measuring 1,200 miles long, the reef is home to 300 hard coral species and about 1,200 fish, of which 10% mm. are endemic to the area. It means they don't exist yeah. anywhere else. See, that's you cool. see what you bring to the table? Like, endemic. Well, endemic. Yeah. I felt like a lot of this I wanted to define words for people who did not have any idea what words these words meant. Yeah. Yeah. Saves so like, them time, especially if they're driving and listening, they're not going to be like, all right, what is that? Hang on, Google. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Google, what does endemic mean? Right. But the good thing about a podcast is you can press pause you and can. look it up. Yeah. Yep. Time out. What does it mean? And you can replay. Mean? Yeah. And listen to the whole episode again. Hey. Wow. <laughs> do people do that? Do people actually do that? Okay. I, I, I listen know. to our episodes sometimes <laughs> more than once. <laughs> well, um, so the, the Belize Barrier Reef. Uh, 
Belize. Uh, yeah. Which Belize is, me. Yeah. Belize <laughs> you me. God, that's like the worst Texan thing to say. Which was named, a, should, should I like UNESCO or the UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1996. And that reef stretches 190 miles long along the coastline. And it's home to 70 hard coral species, 35 soft coral species, and 500 species of fish. And then you got a bunch of invertebrates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another location that is cool is the Philippines. And that's home to the the Tabataha Reefs Natural Park. And then if you're from there, I apologize. And it was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1993 due to its pristine coral reef system. So encompassing 97,000 hectares, Park's two coral atolls are home to 600 species of fish, 360 species of coral, 11 species of sharks, and then 13 dolphins and whales, birds plus hawkbills and green sea turtles. That's cool. Did you know dolphins or whales uh i figured they were like each other <laughs> yeah like they're the yeah. dolphins are toothed whales that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. similar to an orca then yeah 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 hmm. Okay, cool. there you go. Well, not all reefs are found in tropical waters. Uh-uh. I, I no swear, way. I just learned this. <laughs> um, so Rost Reef, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, was discovered off the coast of Norway in 2002. Yeah. And it's a cold water reef that spans about 25 miles wide. Of course, now with more research, it may be wider. Yeah. Um, it's the world's largest Lophelia reef that has flourished after a fishing method known as trawling was banned in that area. So Lophelia are filter feeders and share this habitat with worms, lobsters, starfish, and vertebrates like redfish. Primarily, there's a lot of redfish over there. I like bluefish. Redfish, bluefish. Greenfish, (laughs) yellowfish. One fish, two fish. I love Dr. Seuss, oh, even, yeah. even though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, like, I think that, I think that's really interesting that you bring that up. Is like there are coral reefs like in the Arct in Antarctic, yeah. Arctic, Arctic, yeah. Arctic, and some that's that cool. are quite deep. Yeah, like yeah. that aren't reliant so much, I guess, on, on the, the light. Yeah. yeah. So in well, some. Oh no, go ahead. So we talked about we mentioned quite a few barrier reefs, oh, right? Yeah, I was about to read your part. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Blue. I think I've discovered that I sound like an 80-year-old smoker <laughs> in my laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> So we talked a little bit about barrier reefs like up there, but I, I wanted to bring up the fringing reefs again, okay? Yeah. Can we call these, y'all please correct me if I'm wrong, like a beginner stage reef. Do, I, do y'all I, like that or yeah, do you think that's wrong? I'll let you, incorrect, let's, I'll let you, you build out that just, argument. Okay. So they're going to grow, Brian. they grow very close to the shoreline and they're generally shore attached, Okay. right? There's not the lagoon we see in the barrier reefs, but as always in science, <laughs> there's an exception to this. So oh, you can have... The back reef zone will be slightly inundated. So yeah. it'll be a really shallow lagoon, if you will. And it'll be really narrow. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going to be geomorphologically simple. Uh, and basically, you're going to have three zones in them. You have the fore reef, reef crest, and back reef. And you'll you'll also find a thinward or thin seaward thickening veneer of this reefal carbonate that's going to be deposited on the rocky surface. And, yeah. And the reason I say beginner reef is they'll eventually, if they're allowed to, to progress around the island would become a barrier reef or an atoll over time. So No, yeah. So like you said, I will allow it. I I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> I was just waiting for like the, the smack. No, like, no like, don't say that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a, a a coral reefologer. Like I don't 
Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But no. I, I, like, there's like marine biologists that stu- like they're they're coral reef biologists, and yeah. and I think we use in the terms of like geologically speaking, like looking at, at them in the rock record, and, right? But but I feel like this is that intersectionality between like you the biology and the geology. So that, I mean, like it, there's sure. there's kind of like I sent you right. that meme today. I know I didn't laugh. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? No. So it was like this uh, a picture of a cat fishing, and it said like geologist and biologist, but then you know then they caught a fish and they put it in a bucket and then a there was another there was another fish it was another cat it was another cat that fishing was, out of the bucket oh. it was paleontologist <laughs> this is like the classic having to explain the joke yeah never mind <laughs> okay i mean i thought the cats were cute well Aww. you can send it to me and maybe i'll laugh you probably will but i thought okay. it was it, appropriate. It, 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 was appropriate. It, was, it was appropriate because you're the biologist i'm a geologist and then we were talking about some kind of paleontology anyways <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Brian, you mentioned atoll, right? Mm, so yeah. let's let's talk about what that is. So okay. isolated donut-shaped reefs. I love donuts. Yeah. Right? I do too. Um, do called... not mind if I do. <laughs> oh, so they're called atolls. They occur around the tops of some Pacific seamounts yep. that rise out of the deeper water. These reefs form an outer wave-resistant barrier that encloses a shallower lagoon. Faroe reefs are ring-like, atoll-like structures that form within lagoons or on atoll margins. Okay. So given enough time, coral colonies become thickets. As coral thickets build upward <laughs> skeletal <laughs> remains of older colonies, a reef is established. Richly diverse coral reefs are found along subtropical coastlines <laughs> on the margins of volcanic islands and as isolated coral atolls. Yeah, so like whenever you said the seamounts, so those yeah. are the... <laughs> think um, of the Hawaiian islands. Yeah, so like the seamounts are actually volcanoes that haven't right. made their way past sea level right mm. yeah and or, so you'll see those like they'll they can be in a chain like the hawaiians like yeah, they, so they were, were that at one time yeah mm. that's cool yeah so anyways that was that and then like they become volcanic islands yeah. and then they weather and then they go on on the plate and then right. they go down they become table mounts and then but anyways Beautiful story yeah so coral <laughs> reefs are dynamic evolving through time into different forms so during his voyages on the hms beagle charles darwin first recognized the progressive development of coral reefs on volcanic islands and these volcanic islands subside. That is that they have the tendency to cool, condense, and sink through time. And as they subside, tropical coral reefs grow upward along their margins. Uh, a good example of this is the Hawaiian islands. And then the Emperor Seamount chains is a classic example of the process. So active volcano islands are found on the southeast end of the chain. And then... Be- I always cannot say like Hawaiian islands name Kauai. Like so beyond Kauai. 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 That's a good one. However, so these <laughs> islands are subsiding slowly and coral reefs have developed around the volcanic cores of the islands. And then so like the, the French frigate shoals midway and then the Necker islands are dominantly coral limestone accumulations, but deep sediment cores have revealed the volcanic origins of these islands. Yeah. And so small isolated reef masses, they're commonly referred to as patch reefs, uh, pinnacle reefs, or the table reefs, and they occur along some shelf margins or scattered on the middle shelf. Flat-topped table reefs, they they may also form in the deeper water. And then really, some of the Earth's first reef-building organisms were photosynthesizing cyanobacteria, living about 3.5 billion years ago. And then from fossil remains, it's known that a variety of organisms have constructed reefs, including bivalves, which include the clams and oysters. Then we have bryzoans, which are coral-like animals, 
but they're kind of not. And then <laughs> sponges. And then the corals have been found in the fossil reefs as old as 500 million years, but corals similar to the modern colonial varieties have constructed reefs only during the last 60 million years. Did you, so you know the difference between a million and a billion? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, a billion has two L's. What? That's the difference is a billion has two L's. That's the only difference. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say that to my students all the time when we talk about- Are you making fun of me right now? No. no he no, did no. this to me no, like I did. I did. And then And then he paused and he's like, I've been spelling millions wrong my whole life. <gasps> and it's Is not. An, no. Am I spelling that wrong? No. Okay. All right, well, we're going to talk about sea swips. <laughs> yeah, so corals are part of a phylum Cnidaria, and we're going to get into this a little bit later. So they originated about 650 million years ago. Yep. They're sharing this grouping with soft-bodied cousins like sea anemones and jellyfish. And though we think of corals as being hard most yeah. of the time, right? There are some soft corals like sea fingers and sea whips. Yeah. Why I said hard and you guys both <laughs> like wins. No. <laughs> How did you catch that? <laughs> I catch everything. So... <laughs> Is she like the the snail? Yep. Exactly. Just harpooning her way. Yeah. I harpooned you both. Yeah. Jesus. All right. So let's talk about mounds. Yep. Right. Mounds are structures built by smaller, commonly delicate, solitary organisms, possibly aided by inorganic processes in tranquil settings in either shallow or deeper water. Microbial mounds are built by stromatolites, thrombolites, and calcimicrobes, which are microbes capable of mediating carbonate precipitation. I like stromatolites. I don't yeah, know. They're so cool. I wish I had a sample. I know people that do, and I'm like, man. And and I guess I thought they, for whatever reason, like when I was doing undergrad, I was like, oh, they're they're not here anymore, but they're they're still just going. No, on. they're they're <laughs> yeah. like what do they call them? Living fossils? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're um, they're so like three point five billion years old. Like yeah. they, they aided in the uh, oxygenation of the atmosphere. Right, and all of that but stuff. like between the Precambrian and Cambrian, like that interface, that's where we start to see that bacteria build up. Yeah, and that's where I guess that's where the more famous stromatolites come from. Shark Bay, Western Australia, baby. Yeah, I, I want some of that. I want some of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so skeletal mounds. They're going to be composed of reef building organisms, but a bonus of calcareous algae, okay. bryozoans, which are some of my favorites, sponges, a hermatypic hex corals, and some kinds of brachiopods and bivalves. I can honestly only remember one bryozoan name, and I think it's Fenestrata. And I uh, yeah, think that yeah, I think that went extinct in the Permian. I, so you got me. You like know, I just know. Well, do you remember? It looked like this trellis like thing we had in Paleo, and we were looking at all of them and it was like this you had the different branches but they were really thick and just had little holes going up throughout it yeah that's like the the thing is like they have all like the right the teeny yeah. tiny holes everywhere yeah that's the only one i can remember well that's really cool because fenestra those are actually little diaphragms across certain capillaries in the body okay oh, and then they, they kind of like, like that too like so maybe that's of, where they well, got it, the name yeah a fenestrated capillary is a type of capillary because you have like continuous you have fenestrated and then you have discontinuous oh. so it's, it's just a type for filtering. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that's where wow. they got, see, there's an intersectionality there again. Again. Mm -hmm. Again. <laughs> All right. Well, then there's also mounds that are made of mud and they are formed by lime mud, perhaps inorganic mm. accumulations with various amounts of fossils. And then the mounds, they really can range in size from small structures. So uh, you can imagine like 1.5 meters high anywhere to, they can be gigantic edifices that may reach up to a hundred meters high. Wow. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well then. Okay, Brian. Brian. Okay. Okay. Okay, Greta. So then we'll go on to the reef organisms themselves. So what exactly are corals? We we think of them as these thousands of millions of little tiny like polyps, right? But yeah. the polyps each having a mouth and they have like the stinging cells, and then they're basically like clones of themselves. But each is part of the actual animal as a whole. So like corals yeah. are animals. <laughs> it's so weird to think about. Yeah. So you think of them these individual polyps like that's the coral. Yeah. Like, no, that's the polyp, but that's part of the coral itself that that's this internal structure. Right. It's like, the uh, it's, can yeah. I like, can I do a nerd thing? Yeah, no, second? go ahead. So like, uh, do y'all know what the dark crystal is? Yes. Okay. So the, the essential, the, uh, what are they called? The little spider type things. They all talk together. These like little organisms and they take over everybody, but that's what a coral is. It's like all these tiny little pieces of organisms separate that inhabit this area. But like, it's, they're all as one. Hmm. What is it called? Someone, please, if you're if you make it this far in the podcast, look up the dark crystal. Oh, so there was a name for that. Yeah, and and it was like these spider things that were against the Gelfling, but also against the Skeksis. Was this the series? <laughs> because I didn't watch the series. It was the series. Okay, yeah, and it is phenomenal. And they canceled it for future, but it was it was creepy. better than the first one. And in I the love actual movie. Yes, and I love the first movie. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? The dark crystal. The dark crystal. They're but like, it was, um, what's the Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Yeah. Okay. It was Anyways, puppets. what I'm, the, <laughs> I, you know what? I have the internet. What, what's the internet? Dark and the crystal. No, ascension would be A-S-C. Yeah. Ascendancy. Ascendance. Is that the name of it? Yeah. And so they're made of the erathum. Okay. Do you want me to, whatever, just keep this rolling, I guess. They're a hive. They're a mind of the erathum. Yeah. And so like, there are these things that like, they, like you said, a hive mind. And Mm. so they all are separate, but they're all one organism. Yes. And that's what I think of when I think of the coral. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say. The coral's like on the inside. It's like the. Yeah. And that's kind of what this is. They end up all being one. It's yeah. super cool. And I was just hoping to be a nerd for a second. I love that. Sorry, yeah. James. No, you, what are you apologizing for me for? Because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, weird. hey, you know that puppet show that they did? <laughs> Sorry. I love puppets. They're a little creepy, but. Yeah. A little. I just remember the way like the hair on the puppets didn't fall like natural hair. So it was oh, always yeah. like, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> you couldn't see that visual. That was awesome. You're like, okay. <laughs> All right. So you guys are talking about polyps. And, yeah. You know, just in case you can't visualize what a polyp actually looks like it's almost like an upside down jellyfish yeah. it's like mm. fixed to um, some type of structure with the tentacles kind of facing up so polyps are often these sessile organisms though some are free-floating meaning that they are attached to some hard surface so yeah yeah just in case you didn't know what that meant mm. so we tend to think of all reefs as coral reefs however many organisms in addition to corals can contribute to the formation of reefs these organisms include <laughs> blue-green algae also known as cyanobacteria Bacteria, yep. coralline red algae, green algae, encrusting foraminifera, encrusting bryozoa, sponges, and mollusks. And when I saw coralline red algae, I thought of my daughter's favorite strange movie. It's so Coraline. good. Coraline. It's, that's my daughter's favorite movie. It is so cool. It is the creepiest thing I've <laughs> ever my, seen. I want to write a soundtrack for like that. Jude. Hey, he likes. He'll still sing like this is Halloween, but he likes. That's the what Kate does. Yeah. It's, it's Why are our weird. kids not hang out? I don't know. 
and then I know the the difference like uh when we I, we briefly touched on it like the uh the lightness of it right so like you said the yeah. blue green algae right but I know like the as you get deeper down like you have different color algaes and they can absorb the different wavelengths that are because I know when you get down to a certain depth like you get into like the aphotic zone yeah like in or the midnight zone mm-hmm. so well, yeah down. there'll be different colors because they will not absorb certain light yeah. and so the the light they don't absorb is the color they are yeah that's cool. I like that uh, that weird thing about yeah. color. It's it's the one color that they aren't. Yeah. <laughs> in essence. So, but so, anyways, in the in the geologic past, reef building organisms also included some now extinct groups, such as the fancy pants words as archaeocyathids, stromatoporids, finasteleids, uh, bryzoans, and rudisted clams. Yeah. Regardless, corals are they're certainly the dominant constituents of the modern reef. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only two types that we recognize today. So, yeah. yeah, well, and and there are also a variety of coral shapes and sizes, largely dependent upon the species. Some corals form those hard pointed shapes that we're probably most familiar with, while others are form soft and rounded shapes. And it's interesting because the shape of coral colonies depend on the location of the coral and in oral. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> 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 Not yes. orals. Sorry. <laughs> we're and, not talking about dentistry here. Exactly. <laughs> See, I made that scientific. Yes. It's not dentistry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and in areas with strong waves, corals tend to grow into robust mounds or flattened shapes in more sheltered areas, sheltered, not sheltered areas. The same <laughs> species may grow into more intricate shapes with delicate branching. So essentially, if there are strong waves, they yeah. need to be more flattened. And yeah. if they're not strong waves, then they can be really delicate and have all those really cool patterns. Yeah, so is it more, I less... They, their shape is going to be dictated by the type of environment. Or I guess the, because I know there's also Wait. they like the, like a lot of them, they are in strongly ocean currents because it yeah. brings more nutrients in. But yeah. So the principal corals in a shallow water reef are hermatific, zoxanthellae, um, hexacorals. Hermatific corals um, carry out a symbiotic relationship with several kinds of unicellular organisms, mainly algae, referred to collectively as zoanthellae zoanthellae so but zoanthella zoanthella is the hermatypic hexacoral ah. so that's where i'm getting the zoanthella I in gotcha. my brain ball but do you see that there's two o's in zoanthellae so okay Zo- oh, well I, and oh. i know i know we've talked about it so the zoanthellae so that that's so that's kind of like one of my favorite words like so yeah. so we have talked about in the past like some of our like viscosity and syzygy yeah. like kind of our favorite words so i wanted to just take a moment to I guess, ask you, what are some of y'all's favorite words? Greta. Yeah, yeah. So one of the words I I thought, I don't know if it's just, it makes me feel good, but it's called quiescence. I like that word. And Mm. it's just kind of an interesting word. And so it actually means inactivity and dormant, which is the way I felt since, you know, the COVID. (laughs) Yeah. You know. But so so like we actually refer to volcanoes as being quiescent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, in, in like in bone, there is a zone of quiescence, which is a zone of like no proliferation and just resting bone cells that aren't actually proliferating. So that's where I learned that word. Okay. Another one is defervescence, which they kind of sound the same. They rhyme, right? So Dr. Seuss would be so proud. (laughs) And, um, and that's actually a drop in fever. Okay. I never knew that. So like, uh, so quiescence, but we also like, so there's a geology term that it's kind of cool. It's called 
called effervescence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's it's when it's that reaction of the hydrochloric acid with the, the calcium carbonate, yeah. the CaCO3. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's bioluminescence, which I is like, even cooler. Dude, and then, so there's, I was reading an article, I almost brought it up in New News, but there's sharks that actually glow green. Really? And they, and there's more than one species that actually, that, that it's, and it's in between, like, it's in their light pigmented skin. Oh, and not they're dark, so they wow. actually have so like the bottom belly. Oh no 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 no! no. Like so they're, they're they're like striped patterns, kind okay, of, but yeah, like yeah, but yeah. in the like in the lighter in the lighter colored. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. But they but they they're sharks that actually gr- glow green. That's so awesome. Yeah, hmm. I wonder what the sharks get out of that relationship. That's a good. Question. I don't know. I'll say a couple of my favorite words. Okay. Um, anticlinorium. <laughs> that sounds exotic. Is, yeah, which is uh in geology. Yeah, I don't know anywhere else you would find that word but uh it's a large anticline on which minor folds are superimposed and i'll just go ahead and describe what a synclorium is we know what a syncline ancline that relationship is right but that's gonna be a large syncline on which minor folds are superimposed (laughs) but yeah yeah, so i I just thought it sounded so cool like if you're just sitting there like and that's an anticlorium what <laughs> anticlinorium anticlinorium yeah. Clinorium yeah. sounds like chloroform no oh well clitoris <laughs> clitoris is another one there was something that i almost said the other day at work that i said clitoris but i corrected it very quickly did I you really remember what it was do you remember whenever littoral no that was on the podcast was it on MF-er? the podcast yeah no because i made you then i, I did like... it again at work because i remembered it at work <laughs> okay, we're talking so about like, littoral faces yeah like oh, uh littoral like it's so very important yeah no yeah it's the and, I, and that's why I, that's I the said, best faces there know, is like i can't forget about it <laughs> james the lickety liquor salty brian <laughs> salty brian <laughs> We have yeah. Okay. We have nicknames. Yeah, we do. So. I was like, the, right, well, I, I was like, I need a nickname. Okay. okay. Maybe next time. Yeah. Figure. We'll figure it out. Am I gonna say the sixteen? All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> So my other word was boudinage, yeah. uh, which it sounds weird, <laughs> but it, it relates to metamorphism. Yeah, You'll see the porphyroblast will like, you can usually see them in like a plagioclase porphyroblast. Yeah. They'll look like a big sausage. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> yeah. but that's why, that's why it's called boudin, boudin sausage, oh, boudinage. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. Is it it is it, my the favorite. The Cajun food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Love it. On the note of cool sounding words that are our favorites. Yeah. I really wanted to bring up what is possibly the most beautiful compound pronoun in the English language. Okay. Possibly any language. And that would be cellar door. So just say that all as like without meaning. Cellar door. Cellar door. Cellar door. Is it not beautiful? I don't know about that. All right. Cellar, well, cellar so door. J.R.R. Tolkien, okay. which is my idol yeah, no, here on earth that God will kill me for later probably. But So phonesthetics is meaning like the beauty of just the sound of the word with absence of meaning. So you don't really care what the, the word means, but it's just how it sounds. The Mars Volta is a really awesome band uh, from agree. El Paso, Texas. They're incredible. So did they, did it, I always get confused. Was it at the drive-in, at the drive-in. came after them or before, before. them? Before them. And then they split into Sparta yeah. and Mars Volta. Yeah, I got you. But sometimes the Mars Volta, at least through interviews, he may be lying, I don't know. He will use words just for the sound, which is what this this whole idea of, hey, I, I like the sound of the word. I don't care about the meaning. Oh, it was really cool, but J.R.R. Tolkien, I think he was the one to kind of come up with that idea. Uh, but Edgar Allan Poe also coined cellar door as the most beautiful sound, as many other authors as well. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know what cellar door, maybe, I don't know. I like, don't know. Should portal. I use that in a song or something? But uh, uh, Yeah. 
I say all this because it reminded me of another geologic term that's one of my favorite mineral names, and that is heliodor, which is a form of barrel. Barrel. Yeah, barrel. Barrel. Anyways, barrel. That, those that's are some of my what, favorite sciencey words. So another variation of barrel is emerald. And aquamarine. Aquamarine. That's barrel. Just like, did you know rubies and sapphire are chemically the same? They are. I did not. Corundum. Corundum. Another corundum looks like poop. (laughs) It really does. But it is the 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 second hardest mineral. Yeah. So a nine. Uh ineffable. I know like you're out with your friends and like ah ineffable. (laughs) (laughs) Is that really No. No, so ineffable, it's actually it what it means is too great to be expressed in words. Like inconceivable. Yeah. Is anyone else seeing Princess Bride? Yes. Yes. Okay. So ephemeral is another one of my, uh, one of my, the words that come to mind. And that just means lasting for a very short time. And then cromulent, which is appealing or appearing legitimate, but actually being spurious. So not unlike geology on the rocks, we are a cromulent podcast. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. No, we're, we're professionals. And then mellifluous is a sound that is sweet and smooth and pleasing to hear. So maybe cellar Cellar door. door. But so what's, there's like a psychology term that if you say that, if you keep repeating the word, it loses its meaning. Mm. Like, have you ever done that? Yes. You're like, James, 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 James. And you're like, it's like. Is that like a Blade Runner when they're like checking the, the bots or like the robot people that are made? They like do keywords and if they react to it then they've established a meaning to it so that means they're like rogue that's weird i don't wow. i don't you know should watch blade runner 2049 it reminds me of westworld <laughs> i like, like westworld yeah. Yeah, yeah such yeah, a it's... cool show like the original blade runner no that one's good too though but the second one with second uh, one uh r- yes ryan day, gosling yeah. mm-hmm, yep mm-hmm. he's so dreamy <laughs> He is He's kind not. of dreamy. I don't even know what? why. I Are just kind of wish I was like when he when he's acting. He's so I wish I was him. Dreamy. What? No. I feel like you're the only woman that would say in that. the world. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're going to have to get, I'll get a second opinion on that. Sure. And, but my favorite, one of my, one of my favorite <laughs> memes are of Ryan Gosling and someone always has like a spoonful of cereal and it's always trying to feed him in different scenarios. Just look up Ryan Gosling <laughs> cereal. Okay. And so, it is But there the are no like movie scenes with him in them that I'm like, Ooh, but except for like, there's this recording of him on the MTV movie awards okay. back in the day where he and Rachel, no, not Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Is that who it is? And they like run and they like jump and they like got the best kiss award. Well, that's because of the notebook. I know, but like, so that was sexy. I liked that. You like that. But otherwise, no. That's, I, don't know, I don't know what was what it was about that moment. Well, I mean, I guess that's a, a little bit about, I mean, biological. Like, I don't know. Like, Well, I think, I think that it had to do with just like them coming together and it was just so real. It seemed real. It was probably rehearsed. But like, you know, and like he put his hand on the back of her head and it was like, yeah, maybe the frame rate wasn't as much as like or slow as the movie because I think what the frame rates in movies are is like twenty four frames per second, but like actual TV shows, I think it's a little bit faster, so it's maybe not so. as cinematic. Yeah, and it was unexpected, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Every okay, day. onward, onward. The symbiotic relationship between corals and zooxanthellae can only exist within the narrow band of environmental conditions found in tropical and subtropical waters, and 
basically this means the water must be clear and shallow so that the light algae need for photosynthesis can penetrate and water temperatures must ideally remain between roughly around 23 degrees to 29 degrees Celsius or otherwise 77 degrees to 84 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, we're just talking about words that we love. Symbiosis is, is one of my favorite words because I, mm. I love symbiotic relationships. Yeah, so and then, cool. so those of you may or may not know what a symbiotic relationship is. It's defined by symbiosis, which is a close relationship between two species in which at least one specific or one species benefits. For the other species, however, the, the relationship may be positive, negative, or neutral, and there are three basic types of symbiosis, basically, and that's mutualism, commensalism, commensalism, imperatism. Commensalism. Yeah, whatever that word is. Yeah. That's a big fancy. <laughs> and when we're talking about corals and algae, that's really a mutualism, right? Yeah. So yeah. the coral gives the algae a home, and the algae gives the coral food, and there's equality and fairness, and I think that's why I love it, because we could use some more symbiotic relationships in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kumbaya. What are we doing? We need yeah. to just go hang out like the coral and the algae. Well, so, and these algaes, they, they live in or between the living cells of the corals, and they, they what they're going to do is they're going to aid them in gaining energy by producing the photosynthetic products. Yeah, you're need. right. And then these algaes, they may also facilitate the process of secreting calcium carbonate by removing carbon dioxide from the tissues during photosynthesis. And then I have to say, quick biology or give the listener the chemical <laughs> reaction equation for photosynthesis and go. All right. So you, so it's like a recipe, right? So you need six molecules of carbon dioxide gas uh -huh. plus six water molecules and you add in a little sunshine okay. and this is going to yield glucose and six molecules of oxygen gas, which we need, right? Mm -hmm. And so we see this conversion of solar energy to potential energy. And so potential energy is energy stored in chemical bonds of glucose. It's so cool. And it's the first <laughs> transformation of energy in the energy pyramid. It's so cool. It is. Ooh. Glucose C6H12O6. Correct. Oh. I still Organic got it. stuff is yeah, no, me. it's it's a different language. I don't it is. get <laughs> nailed it. It's just so cool energy yeah. transformation. No, but I I think it's crazy that that it developed that way. Like they utilize sunlight to convert CO two, and it blows my mind. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Like yeah. that that powerhouse, and then you know, like the we could learn a lot. Well, it's just like you know, <laughs> thermodynamics. Energy yeah. cannot be created, right? It's just taken from the sun and then transformed over and over again, and it's not. It doesn't cycle through like matter, right? Mm. And so you get all of this. Yeah. yeah so we cool. we take advantage of their energy, right? The plants they take that sunlight, right, and then we burn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's>, okay. <laughs> that's what I do with my paycheck. True. Yeah. Just yeah. Burn. burn. Speaking burn, of paychecks, burn. I wish I had more kids at this moment. Like, oh, like I, I want, I want, I want all of my kids that I don't know about to come home to daddy <laughs> for one week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I need to follow you on last year's taxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, so that that was really cool. I liked the description of what happens and the product and everything. I also want to say because the zooxanthellae. I, I that's how I say that. I don't. I'm the weird one. Zooxanthellae. Zoos. I don't yeah, know. Zoos yeah, yeah, yeah. They require the sunlit water. In hermatypic corals, they're restricted to living in very shallow water. Mm -hmm. A hermatypic, which have the A <laughs> zooxanthellae, right? They're gonna lack the symbiotic relationship, or they don't require it. That's that. Maybe that's the key. And yeah. they're not restricted to the shallow water. So they're one of the principal organisms today that form the carbonate buildups we talked about much earlier. And it's gonna be in a lot deeper water. Uh -huh. And that distribution can range 
range from they can show up in shallow water, but they can go as deep as almost 2,000 meters. 2,000 meters. So for that's a, where we're getting, reef, yeah, like, so yeah. we're getting into that deeper water. And I yeah. think maybe the. Well, and anytime you see the, the letter A, especially in front mm. of a biological word, I mean, that's like, that means the absence of, right? right? Mm. So these soft corals that you're talking about, they actually grow wood like cores for support and fleshy rinds for protection similar to plants. So when they're examined closely, they have rings like trees that help determine the age. And in some deep deep water corals, like the black coral off the coast of Hawaii, have been shown to be about 4,200 years old and still growing. So the bands of these corals not only provide information about the age of coral, but also tell the story of ocean conditions that the corals have endured over time. So it is kind of like looking at tree rings or Mm. like strata, right? Yeah. So by examining the thickness of each band, marine scientists can look at and estimate how much the corals grew during any given time period. And this can shed light on what ocean conditions existed during different periods. And that can provide lots of valuable information about changes in water temperatures, which we'll get to in a little bit, nutrients and ocean circulation over time. That that just blows my mind. So you 4,200 years old didn't, aren't what? So that is old. That's old. Yeah. I want to live to be 4,200 years old. Well, and I was thinking about like redwoods. Like redwoods are like extremely old, like in California. But I don't think on that order. I don't think so. Like I can't remember off the top of my head, like the age of some of the redwoods or some of the oldest trees. Yeah. But what are some of those uh, that we talked about two weeks ago? Oh, down in uh, uh, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. That like they were able to see the magnetic reversal. There are trees that are that old. Yeah. Hmm. That's it's also interesting because I feel like these corals could kind of tap into possibly that you could see ocean or like seawater chemical change. Hmm. So you could see the oxygen isotopes start to differ as you as they age, which is really important for like noting, like even in like climate change and stuff. Yeah, so. like how they do those, like like in that movie, The Day After Tomorrow, and they're yeah. digging those ice core things, so, yep. and that, how that shows some information. Yeah, some reef building organisms, such as corals, intermatoporods, poroids, <laughs> I call them different things, but they're important framework builders that are going to construct wave-resistant cores of reefs. Yeah, and other such as crinoids or the, the Caudacean algae, the Helamida, whose mm-hmm. skeletal elements may disintegrate into smaller fragments are important sediment contributors. Right. Then there are these things called bafflers and binders. That sounds like, it really does. It sounds like these corals are into BDSM. I just picture like black leather. But but go on. (laughs) Yeah. The bafflers and then there are the binders. So bafflers are organisms such as seagrass that provide a protective baffle against currents and thus generate a localized low energy environment in which fine sediment can accumulate. Then there are binders such as cyanobacteria, which actually form stromatolites, and they trap and bind sediment, hence the word binders. And precipitators are primarily microbes such as cyanobacteria that help meditate. <laughs> mediate oh. yeah, exactly that's what i want to do precipitation of carbonate muds yeah and then geologically given our uh, time constraints we can't talk about all the types of modern reefs and reef facies however i say let's examine the zoning and facies development of high energy platform mm. margin reefs as a general model. That sounds good to me. I know it does. Yeah. So <laughs> so reefs are going to consist of the central core. Yep. The reef framework. And that's going to grade seaward into the reef slope 
and then you're gonna have a loose accumulation of reef debris and that's gonna that we call that the four reef talus and you, we, we've used talus before when dealing with the alluvial sediment or like rock fall out yeah, of mountains, mountains or yeah. yeah so same thing yeah and there's a talus like in it's it's a metatarsal so anyways, but if you want me to play the geologist, yeah, yeah. Well, please do. Yeah. Okay. So the nearly flat uppermost shallowest part of the reef is called the reef flat, yeah. which grades landward into back reef skeletal sands and subtidal lagoonal deposits. Nice. And then these oh. reefs are then divided physiographically into four reef, reef front, reef crest, reef flat, and back reef and different carbonate materials typically are going to be formed formed in in the different zones if you will yeah i think i'm gonna bring up a little dunham classification here but yeah. uh, and and i forgot the other dude's name but so we're gonna go with like the words rudstone baffled stone bindstone and framestone comes to mind we yeah. just circulated those words earlier but these are in essence just different types of limestone classifications for example the floatstone and rudstone they're going to be unbound carbonate grains so more than 10 percent of which are more than two millimeter in size floatstones are mud supported the rudstones are grain supported and okay. that's going to differ like you'll have your macritic limestones or your more carbonate grain based limestones i got you so baffle stones are carbonate components bound together at the time of deposition by stalked organisms that trapped sediment by acting as baffles. And that that's baffles ba me. That's baffling. Oh, okay. It's so baffling. <laughs> then as one would expect, bindstones were bound during deposition of encrusting and binding organisms such as forums and bryozoans. And framestones were bound by organisms such as corals which build a rigid framework. And let me just say that when you guys start speaking geology, <laughs> there's this weird look comes over your face. It's just kind of intriguing. It's, it's just the like calm. This. It is. It's, it's like, like, I know this. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, but interestingly, that these these different carbonate facies, they, they're, they're representing variations in water energy. And then the dominant sedimentation process and types of organism each of these zones. But I think before we go any further, that it is definitely time to get into a little... Minerals. <laughs> Minerals. Mineral Minutes. Mineral. 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 Mineral Minutes. I love minerals. Mm. Minerals. All right, so this week's Mineral Minute is brought to you by the Potassic Magnesio Fluorosodium Amphibole Fluoroarphidinazite. <laughs> Fluoroarphidinazite's chemical formula is KNA NA2MG4 FE3 plus SI8O22 FOH2. Wow. So originally <laughs> named potassium fluoromagnesio effervescenite, but according to wow. the 2012 Amphiboli nomenclature guide, <laughs> the name is now potassium magnesio fluoroaffervescenite. Okay, so right? then the potassium magnesio fluoroaffervescenite is a light gray to dark green in color and streaks white. Potassium magnesio fluoroaffervescenite is translucent and has a density of 3.09. Measured what? or calculated? <laughs> I'm kidding. Whatever. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would think measured. Okay. Yeah. So potassium magnesio fluoroaffervescenite type locality is from <laughs> really some mountains in Russia. 
There you go. You, you didn't want to try it? You alkaline. Okay, alkaline massive south Urals, Russia. Yeah, so the Ural about, Mountains. That's, I don't that's... know about Ilham Vishnev. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Is this, is this on purpose? Yeah, yes. it was on, okay. very much on purpose. So potassic okay. magnesiofluoroarfidsonite has perfect cleavage on the 110 plane. Potassic magnesiofluoroarfidsonite <laughs> is monoclinic in the 2M prismatic crystal class. There you go. Oh, that's me. <laughs> the, the potassic magnesiofluoroarfidsonite geologic set setting is in a narrow dolomite amphibole veins cutting mesoproterozoic feldspar trachyte. Wow. So potassic magnesiofluoroarfidsonite sometimes displays elongated crystals with striations parallel to carbon. C-axis. No, it's the C-axis. Sorry, we should have. <laughs> that, I have no idea. Like, I, I see a C yeah. by itself. It's carbon. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's Mineral Fluoro Appetite. Mineral. Oh, you. Oh. <laughs> you. All right. So environmental issues reefs are facing. So mm -hmm. you, you braved it. Thank you for Thank doing you. that with us. Like yeah. that, that's just like a nonsense little segue to break. But up. it's all it's all facts. It's all factual, factual but yeah. it's very yeah. it's fun. Yeah. So it's not to make fun of the newcomer. No, we do no. this even with it's just us. <laughs> no, so like I always, yeah. since since I'm the one who puts in the information like every week, like I always. <laughs> I purposely don't read the, that part of the notes because I'm like, I can't wait to get in this situation. He has I me see. reading this paragraph. I, so like pretty much when people come over, like so when Jason's, you remember I gave him oh, all yeah. of the, and you could just hear like, <laughs> and then he would read it and he would just go, oh, God. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for that and participating with us in a little mineral minute. So I, I, when we get into the environmental of uh, environmental issues that reefs are facing, I, I think it's an important aspect to discuss, and that is the the threats coral reefs face. <laughs> so much destruction. <laughs> so coral reefs are in danger. Hey, hey, come up here for a second. We got a question for Angela. Are we going to ask come her here. about? Yeah, come here, Angela. I need your just first thing that comes to mind when we say Ryan Gosling. Uh -huh. Funny. No, we really <laughs> want to know. <laughs> She's like, yeah. No, no. What? No, I was thinking Ryan uh, Reynolds. Uh, yeah, nah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Reynolds, funny and hot. Like. Now he's hot. Yeah. But what about oh. Ryan Gosling? Gosling, he's still just like a charismatic hot. That makes sense. Still hot for but the women folk. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to speak like, into the microphone. You no, know, kind of no, like no, a. Right here. <laughs> you know how to do it. <laughs> You know how to do it. <laughs> kind of like um. Oh. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god! I just spilled um. my rocks everywhere. <laughs> my rocks got off. <laughs> Your rocks are out of control. They are everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. I think those are my rocks. Oh god! You're, You're right. They are. <laughs> I'm so digressed. This is bad. No, um, that's great. No, I was saying that Ryan, got, I didn't think he was all, like, I think he's an attractive man, but, like, hot is not on my hot scale. I I, I totally understand. Boom. There's nothing specifically hot about him. Um, it, and that's where I like to say that he's more, has that charisma. Okay. He has that ability to be like, hey, girl. And that's where they, they coined that. Term. Sure, the main hey girl. Yeah, is so, it really? Mm -hmm. He has that ability to be like, you know, and so that charisma, that confidence is 
hot in itself. Yeah, the confidence. I get that. So that's my take on it. But I would definitely rather Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I think yeah. like just yeah, like yes, I would. Sure. I would. I, want I would beat hot. her to him. I'd be like, hey, I'm more charismatic than her. <laughs> and I'm like, I just yeah. want to sure. smoke a pipe with Tolkien. That's all I want. What do. are you? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, uh, I don't want to beat anybody else. <laughs> I want to be in his brain when he was developing that language. Oh my god, gur, like, gur, gur. all of them. Yeah, we'll we'll have a Tolkien. We could have a have geology ever, of Tolk of Middle Earth episode. I yeah, tried, have you ever read the Cimmerillion? Yes, I tried. It's hard. I didn't, I didn't get. Well, at yeah, least you tried. I did. I, I have it still. Okay. We can. Yeah. Okay. Go <laughs> forth. <laughs> go with go with art. Go, go with art. Go with art. Okay, so I think. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna do that in cobalt voice. So environmental issues <laughs> reefs are facing. So I think this is an important aspect to discuss, and that is the threats coral reefs face. So coral reefs are endangered by a variety of factors, including natural phenomena such as hurricanes. We have El Nino and diseases. Then there's these things called local threats, such as overfishing, destructive fishing techniques, and coastal development, which uh, pollution and careless tourism, and the global effects of climate change. And this is the overall warming of the seas and increasing levels of the CO2 in the water itself. Right. And so, so far, we really haven't talked about how many species actually live in coral reefs. So um, the reason that all of those many, that very long list of factors that coral reefs are facing is so scary is that because coral reefs are actually the equivalent to tropical rainforests and their biodiversity. Yeah. So, you know, many of these human impacts you listed affect more organisms than just the corals. Yeah, I want to say out of the local threats, to coral reefs, overfishing, damaging fishing techniques such as that deep water trawling, and the use of, of explosives and God, cyanide, like just saying <laughs> that, they're going to be the most destructive. So I would imagine that. When, uh, herbif- what do you say that word? Herbiferous. Herbiferous. When herbiferous fish that eat seaweed are overfished, uncontrolled seaweed growth can then smother corals. Yeah, and then the the coastal development results in erosion and runoff containing the excess sediment can actually block the zooxanthellae. Zooxanthellae needed. (laughs) You have blown my mind. Yeah. Sorry. I can't can't even save the normal whale. Zooxanthellae needed. So the nutrient-rich fertilizer runoff and sewage effluent can boost algae growth which starves the water of oxygen, causing the that that eutrophication. Eutrophication, yeah. And so eutrophication can occur naturally over centuries as lakes age. So we're talking about like freshwater mm-hmm. um, lakes can age, and, and that's a natural thing, right? But, you know, the scary thing is that human activities have accelerated the rate and extent of eutrophication through a couple of different types of discharges. And this is relevant to ocean waters too. So there's two types. There's point search, oh, excuse me, Point source discharges. So this comes from a single point. So you can always trace it back to a point, like a factory or a power plant. And non-point, which is harder to identify, is more what runoff kind of qualifies as. This can cause, you know, nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus to enter the water. You know, that's the, what causes those algal blooms. Like, right? That green just film you see over, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's gross and sticky looking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Pollution from land, including hot water releases from power plants, pathogens, and trash, and from marine activities such as fuel leaks and oil spills also endangers coral reefs. Tourism, while relying on the appeal of coral reefs, can be damaging when careless divers trample on corals or break off pieces of souvenirs. In addition, more and more coral and tropical fish are being harvested for aquarium trade. And I just want to say, if you've ever been in a body of water around people and you're like, let's say, having a few beverages, yeah, and then like you're all sitting there for a long period of time, do you ever just like look at the, the, the surface of the water and you can just see it's like an oil slick because of yeah. the between sunscreen. The, yeah, between the <laughs> sunscreen and the oil from your body, like this interaction, it's just, it's kind of gross, you know? And you think, wow, you know, it's, it's almost like a zoo when you get to go out and see these corals. It's like, oh, wow, you're bringing this awareness about these corals. But in, in the same time, like you're exposing these corals to, you know, idiots. Right. Stuff that they normally, because, I mean, we do have like fish exhibit oils. Like I was at the Botanic Gardens earlier and you'll look out on the water and you see these little, it almost looked like under a thin section. So you'd have tabular bodies of oil or spherical bodies. That's natural. I would imagine that in like whatever, in an ocean, you're not going to have like uh, stagnant water like that. But like what you're saying is we're going to be out there. We're loaded up on sunscreen, possibly exfoliating alcohol, like debris. Yeah, for sure. So because of you don't go to the Caribbean without being inundated by some sort of alcoholic beverage. So so you think of oil spills as being bad, right? And like you're adding this to it, but the human factor is only 48% of the because you have natural seeps of oil coming out and right. methane sure. and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, you add another <laughs> half sure. of it. Like, well, it's already, it's imbalanced the way it is. Like, it's it, those oil like, like you'll have methane shoots and stuff. That happens. But when we come in, we obviously disturb the balance because we're not supposed to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and that's what throws off equilibrium of any ecosystem is when we come in and do damage that shouldn't be. Yeah, but I mean it's not really throw I mean it is throwing off the balance in the fact that there are species out there and bacteria that eat it, but what's happening is like then they're consuming all the like the oxygen that needed for all these other sure. fishes yeah. to Yeah, so yeah. Right. I get and it. it and that. it happens naturally, right? Yeah. So we see it in waters and it happens naturally, but the whole point is is that human activity speeds it up yeah and and, yeah. and that's only a problem because organisms cannot adapt in time yes because like what's that that thing that uh there's the there's a biological term where they can only withstand a small amount of like changes in like heat. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the word, but that's what the corals are. It, there's there's but there's a actual like term. Yeah, yeah. For it. Well, I'm thinking the only one I'm thinking of is stenohaline, but that has to do with salt. Yeah, but but then it's the then the stenothermal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. And other, like, so a recent study, I think, of 159 reefs in the Pacific found that plastic pollution is killing coral, too, which... I think we're going to have an episode next season about like plastics and like uh, that's so it it hurts my heart. And then when coral reefs come into contact with plastic waste, the the incidence of disease rises 20 fold. Mm. So, I mean, that's pretty significant in and of itself. So while we don't know exactly how the plastic causes diseases, there is some speculation that bacteria on the plastic can infect the coral and the plastic can block the needed sunlight. And then so the estimates by 2025, they project that 15.7 
7 billion plastic pieces could come into contact with these coral reefs. Well, mm. you're talking about plastic and I just want to kind of segue because like plastics do damage to our bodies too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it could be bacteria on the plastic, but it could also be the plastic itself just kind of breaking down and just kind of finding itself into their what's the, pathways. What's the cat? Like, because they, they break down into microplastics. So it's like even yeah. small enough for the, I guess it would be small enough for the, the polyps to actually ingest yeah, it. Yeah. Be. Yeah. Because yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's scary. So a natural phenomenon that stress coral reefs include predators such as parrotfish, barnacles, crabs, crowns of thorns, starfish, and diseases. Hurricanes or prolonged cold and rainy weather can harm coral reefs. So there are some natural phenomena actually that are out there that can impact corals. What I found interesting is like parrotfish, they actually, they have like the the beaks and they eat the coral and whenever they poop, it makes sand. (gasps) So a lot of the sand. Like silica sand. Yeah. So they're actually like, they're. They're wow. they're chomping on the corals That's and then cool. as Chewing they it up. yeah and as they go do is it rounded or angular <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know it depends on the weathering yeah another natural phenomenon 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 so is El Nino so weather patterns can actually result in the lower sea levels it can alter the salinity due to salinity due to too much rainfall and lead to elevated sea surface temperatures which can also damage coral so oceans absorb ninety three percent of climate change heat so they're wow. due to their uh, the the what's the word thermal properties of water it can absorb a lot of heat without changing so it's able to absorb that heat so that's where most of that heat is going and we know when corals overheat they react to stress by expelling their algae which results in this phenomenon yeah. known as coral bleaching yeah i want to make sure people don't think hey we're good we got the oceans like, yeah no it's it's absorbing it so everything in it is absorbing that heat yeah. and that right. that kind of leads to what but what well, i mean I, I think i yeah. briefly brought that up too is that a lot of people don't realize when they think of sea level rise it's physically by the expansion of the water molecules due to being heated up and that and that's I think that yeah. property you're thinking of is specific heat yeah there you go yeah yeah high when, specific heat. it does when yeah you heat things up the molecules move faster mm-hmm. right yeah. like so they're gonna have a bigger area that they're gonna bounce back in between between on that compound, right? Yeah, but the water is able to absorb more heat. Like so, like uh, you think of rocks, right? During the day, like you touch a rock and it's effing hot. Like, but that's <laughs> why you don't get much change in the water temperature during. You know, it, it remains relatively constant. Yeah. Right, and that's important <laughs> for the human body too, because we're made up of a lot of water, and you don't want to go out on a hot day and it's 114 degrees, and all of a sudden your body temperature goes up to 114. That'd kill you. Yeah. yeah. No. What? What? Yep. Okay. No. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so coral bleaching. Yeah, bleaching. Bleaching leaves corals vulnerable to disease. It also stunts their growth. 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 But <laughs> it stunts their growth, affects growth. their reproduction, and can impact other species that depend on the coral communities. So severe bleaching kills them. Yeah, the, the average temperature of tropical oceans has increased by 0.1 degrees Celsius over the past century. This combined with the natural fluctuations of warmer ocean temperatures, that's resulted in extensive coral bleaching around the globe. And that, that involves thousands of miles of reefs. 
Yeah. Or thousands of miles, square miles of reefs, is, I should say correctly. Reefs. 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 I found it interesting that there are certain corals that are more susceptible to bleaching than others. And one such coral is the Acropora. Okay. Coral. These are very important and genetically equipped to handle warmer ocean temperatures. So they grow quickly compared to other corals, which helps them with reef growth, island formation, and coastal protection. Yeah. And they also provide a habitat, like many other corals, for more than a million species of marine organisms. Jeez, so just yeah. that that one species, the yes. Acropora, so they provide a habitat for over a million species. That's yeah. insane. And I think that what's what, what they're trying to emphasize here is that it's because it grows fast. Okay. Like a weed almost, right? So a weed can outcompete other plants because it grows so fast. And so this particular one, even though it's more susceptible to temperature change... It yeah. goes fast. So that's like if you took away all the hot dog stands in New York City. What? <laughs> like it feeds that many people, right? Like if you took away hot dog stands in New York City, a million people wouldn't eat hot dogs that I'm day. I'm from Texas, so what are you talking about? Uh, well, have y'all ever been in New York City? Yes. yes. Then you should know. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, you have I, no I, excuse. But right like, so in like, high school, I don't. Know. But I feel like I feel like that frame of reference. I I loathe hot dogs. Oh and god! The thought of hot dogs well, is like take your bleh. take your bias out of this, right? I, like I can't. Scientific I, bias. Like, what about turkey dogs? What I'm saying I like is turkey dogs. like at so the reason I brought that up uh, at like at it almost every intersection in New York you'll have a hot dog stand. Well, we know, I know what that means. Yeah. And so relating these corals, it was like, in that sense, like a million organisms, right? Okay. So like a million people probably ate a hot dog Ah. in New York. Maybe. This is not cool when I have to like explain (laughs) my analogy. I tried to do a funny meme earlier. We were like, suck at this. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know what? If a listener made it this far, please give me a shout out for the hot dogs. I don't. Brian's hot dogs. (laughs) I, I do like hot dogs. I really, yeah. What's sauerkraut? Oh, I like sauerkraut. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, sausage is always better than like bratwurst and, and yeah. like, yeah, we could go on food for a while, but yeah. sauerkraut must. I made sauerkraut in college in my microbiology class, and the, the final test was we ate it. Actually, I didn't eat it, but the professor did, and that's how we what got our grade. What were the other tests? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, was, uh, that was the test, actually. Oh, there was no other test. test. <laughs> you were just like, Do hey. you know what's interesting about that, though? It's like, can you imagine a college class now growing something and then eating it? Hell no. They'd like be you like, can, this is against so all. Oh, well, yeah. no, I think for he a mineral lab, we could make rock candy. You could. Could you, we? You do a, yeah, if you super saturate the liquid with sugar and then you have a seed crystal and then it grows. Well, you can do that with like discovery kits. You know what? You have one of those like crystal growing kits remnants in your bathroom. I do. I do. (laughs) I do. Okay. So corals I'm talking about. Remember, remember what I was talking about? The act. Acropora. Acropora. Yeah, those Sounds like a Harry's Potter spell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'll have to tell you about this other spell later. Acropora corallus. Gosh. um. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, um, Acropora corals. That's the corals I'm talking about. So, if we want to talk about some evolutionary history here, so these corals diverged from other corals around 120 million years ago when ocean temperatures were actually higher 
than yeah. they are now. So these, what's cool about this is that they actually survived an ice age, which indicates mm. that they can handle vast changes of temperature. So there's this team of scientists from Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology Graduate University, and they've been looking at some genes, um, these three specific genes in Acropora that impact their ability to adjust to ocean temperatures. I like uh, what BK something genes, that's what I wear, and Levi Strauss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those kind of genes. That's the kind I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so these these really um, awesome scientists, they, they located some genes and not the kind that you wear. The one I want to mention is a gene that encodes for DMSP lyase. So okay. I'm not an expert in this, so that's why I'm totally, you know, reading what they've done. This allows corals to produce dimethyl sulfate. This actually is transferred into the water and helps to form clouds, which is wow. like cool. I'm like imagining like this cloud. So this means that when temperatures increase, the acropora coral might create small cloud umbrellas, which can protect them by providing shade and filtering out the light. That is That's incredible. cool. Isn't that cool? Wow. So I wonder if it has to do, because I know like you can, so if you think of like <clears throat> cloud formations, that's what do they call it. It's the adiabatic cooling. So you have this uh, warm air rising yeah. and then it expands. And if it, ex when it's expanding, it's, you're changing the volume. Volume, uh, the density, it, right? Also. But it, yeah, so you can think of it as like if you were to compress gas, it gets hot. Yeah, it's, it's like adiabatic. So you're not. I mean, you're just. It's the change in the volume. There's no change in energy. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I was thinking like when they brought up the sulfates and stuff like that, it would change the dense once it forms that compound, mm -hmm. which would allow like different refractions to happen. So it's not impeding directly on the coral. Right. I am honestly making a little bit of that up, but yeah, I no. think it makes sense. <laughs> it'd be like in the, it'd be in like the, coral yeah. sunscreen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm thinking of it like. It does make sense, but that may not actually be it. So yeah. uh, I don't know. Like, but yeah, uh, so but like uh, maybe does dimethyl sulfate evaporate in water to cause that? I don't know. Yeah, that's I very, don't know much about it. I was just I found it so interesting thinking about corals having this way to kind of protect themselves from these increases in temperatures. And so, yeah. you know, even though these genes have been identified, you know, they're still working on it. But this indicates the ability of this coral to withstand swings in ocean temperatures. Now, the key here is how fast can can they do it? So at the speed in which current climate change is occurring, these corals may not have enough time to effectively adapt. And that's always the question. Yeah, it's, I mean, are they going to go too fast or are they going to last a long time? Sure. Jesus. <laughs> no, just call me James. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Hi-yo. Right. During the 1997-98 El Nino, widespread and severe coral reef bleaching occurred in the Indo-Pacific region and the Caribbean, killing 16% of the world's coral reefs in 12 months. Can I can I can I sidebar? Have I ever told Absolutely. you like how I feel like I actually got the job at TCC and in my interview? Go ahead. No. I want to know. I don't know if she wants to know. I'm listening. Okay. Oh, you sound so much wow, better. Yeah. Why do I need to be this close? Because it's, it's a dynamic like, mic. But anyways, so they the when they inter when I had to interview, they said, Hey, do a presentation over El Nino as you were giving it to the students. Like, right? So they got to pick? No, they told me or they told all the applicants, like, you oh, are going to do a presentation over ENSO, which is El Nino and the Southern Oscillation, mm. as if you were giving it to the students. I posed it as a question of the scientific method and like what caused because like there was this huge die off in the in the 70s. And at the beginning, I was like, well, what 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 happened to all the fish? Is it magic? And I took a handkerchief out of my pocket <gasps> 
and I put it in here and I made the handkerchief disappear. Stop it. I swear to God. So cool. Right. And then I went through and I was like, no, it's science. And like, we know like based on the El Nino and Southern Oxygen. And then at the end I was like, so basically we know what happened to the (gasps) handkerchief and I did the magic trick, right? That was it. That's what got him the dirt. And then he's that crafty. Like I, I can't think of that uh, stuff. Well, I mean, he's like, so clever. I know, but then, but then the last question that they asked on the interviews are like, what? Well, what question do you wish that we would have asked you, and how would you have answered it? And immediately, I said, well, I, I really wish you would have asked how I did that magic trick, and I would have told you if you give me the job, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was good, <laughs> man. You're way, you're way cooler than me. I would have been like, I would rather you ask. Me how pegmatites form in like, <laughs> but out of context, no. But like, when I was interviewed, I had to teach immunology. What's so that? The immune system. Immunology. Wow, yeah. I'm a dumbass. And, and I was like, um, I'd never taught that in my life. So I was like, okay, time out. Let me look it up. Did you did you make it a, a science? Like, I felt like that was really. I, I did use cartoons and I didn't get the job initially. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, Boom. it's truth. So I also had, and you remember uh, Chris Farley uh, in <laughs> Saturday Night Live? He's like, I am Go down to the you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you like the weatherman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris yeah, Farley? Yeah, yeah. SNL? You gonna... I mean, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't actually see. I, I, I had that and I was like, okay, this is one explanation. And then I did the, the gif where the, it's like magic. <laughs> Yes. But I was going to have confetti and go, wow, magic. But I figured I would, just, awesome, I would just do the. I wish I we had this on video. Yeah. Well, you can, I, I do. You want, know, it would have been so cool. I wish I had been in your interview. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I, I would have I would have been like, boom. That's yeah. how I mean, that's how Hands I mean, down. But that's how I teach, too. I'm like, well, oh, I, I, want, I want our listeners to know like I have this Brian. If you can't know my voice by you, now, we, we, but, know, we know your voice. But what I want to say voice. is uh, 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 James is the uh, one that comes up with all of the podcast titles. <laughs> I am not that clever. I'm like, all I can think about is all of these. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, very no. boring. You think about Zircon. I Sorry. love Zircon so you much, do. but I am not clever in titles. Like my mind consists of music composition and mineralogy and that is it. Yeah. Well, so all the cleverness and funniness of our episodes goes to James. I'll take that compliment. Yes. Cheers, sir. Cheers. <laughs> that was a good one. That was it a good was. one. It didn't sound like a clink. Isn't that what it's supposed it's to sound like? No, it, no, no. Sounds like a stromatoporon. What, no, <laughs> what, it, what does it sound like when it's plastic? Clink. Clunk. 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 No. Clunk. Clunk. Click. Because, because otherwise it's like, clink. Clink. Okay, I know what you're saying. Like the the piercing. We just need to have like a sword sound. Ching. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was my El El Nino story, basically. I love that. I love that story. I like it. Thank you for sharing that. You're you're welcome. I like it. I like it. I I practice it like. It was appropriate. So the 2010 El Nino also resulted in massive bleaching around the world. Another coral bleaching event in October 2015 extended all the way into 2017, becoming the longest and most damaging ever recorded. More than 80% of northern part of the Great Barrier Reef has now suffered severe bleaching. Why'd you giggle when I said longest? That's nothing compared to the Permian Triassic. (laughs) (laughs) The Permo Triassic. (laughs) 
Sorry, it was like I remember this meme of this like person's like, oh, I have like a heart like problem or something. And like this, this guy's like, I'm a geologist, I can help. And then like they tell him the problem. He's like, that's nothing compared to Permian Triassic. See, like that's funny, but like whenever I make a relevant geology and yeah, 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 biology intersectionality for us to make fun of the paleontologists that use both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, what, so are you talking about your cats again? Meow. So bleaching events have increased from one every 25 to 30 years in the early 1980s to an average of every one every six years since 2010. While coral reefs can recover from bleaching if given 10 to 15 years from their algae communities to recover, the increasing frequency of bleaching events means that many reefs, they're not going to be able to. Yeah, and I think like in the actual data records, you can see that like as the, you know, there's fluctuations in the, the ocean temperature, but the the peaks, they keep going up higher and higher and higher. So the, the frequency of these bleaching events, like where it, it could be natural before that they just haven't seen it like in the the fossil record so we can kind of see that it is the the man-made anthropogenic i always want to say anthropomorphic but i I like that i like that word anthropomorphic where you give human qualities to inanimate objects but it's because we've birthed it yeah but you know you anthropomorphize this rock i love the way you say birth as though you've actually done it i have never you have no idea i've experienced it from a bystander by afar yeah and it's like i'm nothing (laughs) <laughs> I contribute only very small things. We, we have the fun part in the process. Like we're just I wouldn't call it fun, but it's like <laughs> No what? It literally it literally is like what? I get what you're saying. But I'm I'm it's the trauma of standing there and being like There's nothing what is, you can how do. is she can how is she what what it's amazing. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's, uh, and what you just talked about was, you know, these long periods of time when we see changes and then all of a sudden we're seeing these bleaching patterns more and more as as time moves forward. So there's lots of really genius scientists out there doing lots of really cool research and recently there's been research in coral genetics using CRISPR technology. I think CRISPR is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, Yeah, so in an effort to keep it simple, I'll summarize by saying that they, and when I say they I'm talking about these really awesome some scientists, Philip Cleves and colleagues from Stanford and Queensland University of Technology and a group from Line Bay of the Australian Institute of Marine Sciences. You were there. Do you know these people? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. They have identified a heat shock one factor. So okay. heat shock factor one, I should say that correctly. And this actually activates many genes associated with the response to heat stress. Okay. okay. So because they have identified this factor, this has impl- implications for future, not only understanding how coral reefs respond to climate change, but also how we can apply this restoration protection efforts like for future reference. Yeah, and I had I had never heard of the heat shock factor. So the oh, yeah. so warming it up is actually activating genes. So it's kind of like you could be a sociopath, right? But if you're exposed to like trauma, then it activates that. And sure. then, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. serial killers, like they, you have the genes. You yeah. might, you could go this way or that way, but it's activated. That's well, how I'm trying to conceive gonna, it in totally. my head. It'll tap back into our evolutionary like more like record, two hours. right? It, when you put a stress on there that will inhibit a gene to come forth, that's just 
pulling things from almost a fossil record of genes back up into what's current. And you see that sometimes in organisms, you'll see that things will then adapt and then you may see a split there on the taxonomy. When that when that happens over and over again, you'll then see a shift and you'll see a line change in like this organism then has evolved into another genus at that time. And so that's, that's really cool that you see that bring that out like a stresses can cause organisms to change indefinitely over time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That yeah. was a weird well, thing. But <laughs> I remember <laughs> that from zoology and I was like, okay. Yeah, well, is it kind of like though where you see, but no, but that's not really expression of genes per it, se, like where you have like the light and dark birds and it is, on yeah. volcanic rocks and then sure. Yeah. And yeah. then, natural selection. Yeah, not like, but that's yeah. not really expressing a gene. It's more not so the than, same. It's like the repetition of the need, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you need to change, you'll see a branch off. Well, I think what's interesting about that is when you think about human evolution, okay? And you have, for example, lactose intolerance. So I remember thinking yeah. about lactose intolerance and thinking, oh, that's not a thing. But like after like reading about it, like most Americans are actually lactose intolerant. Yeah. yeah. And it's because we don't make the enzyme that can break down milk sugars anymore. Like there's a time period in our life where we we need it, we have to have it, right? Because of that, that's our primary source of nutrients. But then over time, that kind of wanes, and then you start having issues. But it, that 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 really came about whenever you had the, I guess, like ten thousand years ago is when you really had the the domestication or what what's the word I'm looking for? Whenever you had, we stopped being uh, hunter gatherers. Like when we were hunter gatherers, we didn't really need that need for uh, drinking. milk milk from a cow right so then i i may be way off talking but it, it does have to do with like the ten thousand years ago what's that yeah. fucking thing god no, well, well that's about the split between the pleistocene and the holocene right so i think that has to do with it are we talking about split between neanderthals and well that's yeah. a whole another that's, an, that's, that's another, a whole and then you another, have like the denisovians denisovians yeah. however you say it but no but uh, I think like it's the whenever we had agriculture introduced agriculture and we had that abundance and then I don't know yeah I'm uh, to be know. honest, I'm not sure, so we should study on this. And yeah, this I'll make a note. So please, we can, like, let's do another episode on that. I oh, think but we don't. You great. didn't put it. in. I'm gonna write a note. Lactose. Yeah. yeah can we can we <clears throat> connect human evolution to geology? If you yeah. want to be a part of this future episode, I would love to because I mean that's the coolest. Yeah. I think it'd be great because then we can have some fact checking on our end because we're gonna have our own like segment of data, but. It's good to cross check between the Yeah, sciences. no, but I feel like like we could see well, we could do the evolution of humans, but then also kind of like the the the, the breeding out of the the Neanderthals. Yeah, yeah. and I have a, an archaeologist friend if we want to have them on to talk about do a four cool. I like four ways. Thing. <laughs> four th- I was trying to find another word that didn't say four way, but well, well quadre. Quadrant Quadra angle. I don't know. Quadrilateral? Yeah, there we go. (laughs) A square. I don't know. But in addition, the the 22 million tons of carbon dioxide our ocean absorbs every day. 
So that's 24 hours are changing the chemistry of the seawater and increasing acidification. So today coral reefs are experiencing more acidity than they have at any time in the past 400,000 years. Acidification reduces the water's carrying capacity for calcium carbonate that corals need to build their skeletons. So yeah, even a small decrease in the coral's ability to construct its skeleton can leave it vulnerable to erosion. Some reefs have already begun to dissolve and it's estimated that by 2050, only 15% of coral reefs will have enough calcium carbonate for adequate growth. That's nuts. Weird. I, I, I honestly wonder, it came to my head that like, why is silica not preferred sometimes by organisms? But we can get in a, in, into that later, I well, guess. I, I think it has to do with the temperature and then also... Well, it's more acidic, right? With what? Like but, but, there's just, but, but there's not... You got to think there's not much silica being introduced into the, the water chemistry. There's, it's a finite amount. And then other, like, it's all being used up by the diatoms and the radiolarian. So the, the calcium carbonate is in the CO2 and, like, the yeah, creates, like, I the would, chemistry. I guess I was just thinking, like, if you had, like, a, a high flood season, right? Like, you would have more silica introduced. It was just a side note, but to me, it's like, are there corals that are adapting to that? I feel like there's not enough SiO2 being introduced to even for it to, yeah, I, you know yeah, what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the, you have that constant, like the CO2, like how it's in constant fluctuation between like the, the acidity and the bicarbonate, how it releases that, where you, yeah. it has up and down motion where, you know what I'm saying, but there's a lot more sure. CO2 and CaCO3 available than the SiO2. Yeah. And just and, due to the, the dissolution in the water and then CO2 is readily available. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just curious because it's we definitely have acidification of oceans, right? Oh, yeah. And it's going to profoundly alter the coral reef systems. Mm -hmm. But I was curious, some organisms back in geologic time have shifted. Uh, they'll make their tests out of calcium carbonate, then they'll make their test out of silica. Have coral started to show that? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, like that is the chemistry won't allow for it. There's not enough silica readily available yeah, it makes sense to be something that's that has longevity, right? Yeah, but um, like, yeah, and just like yeah. the readily available, like, why is there so much limestone created in the ocean? Sure, or right? just the allowance of it. That is, that is also a thing. If you have an excess of silica, right? Like in mountain building events, like say we, for whatever reason, start to have some convergence boundaries. What are we looking at? But even from that, so like think about the Bowen's reaction series. What's the, in the reverse, like what is the least amount weathered? Like even to get that SiO2 out of the beaches, right? They're, it's a very stable mineral. Yeah. So it's not. Well, it's stable, but you still have it. And, and you already said radiolarians, they yeah. pull silica. So it's out there. Yeah, but that's going to be more in your northern latitudes, cold waters, and yeah. where you have a lot of coastal upwelling where that cold water is coming up. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just saying, like, I'm wondering if corals have any studies been done to where they're adapting to building Maybe. out of silica. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's something to think about as our oceans are going to change. Yeah, like but we're, I, all, we're on the track of change. So to just exhibit what has been studied before, we have to morph what our studies actually capture. That's that's pretty important, I think. Agree. Agreed. Agree. So, you know. And I just love silica because fuck carbonates. What? Thank God. I, I hate carbonates. I just like pretty minerals. Okay, but. Yeah. Silica. 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 Silica.
didn't recently like the cliffs of Dover start to fall into the ocean or did I? I feel like they've had. Yeah, I, I remember that a few years ago. Like there is where they'd have slumps that would fall off. Yeah. Crazy. But is that from undercutting and then it unable to hold the weight it's, above it? Yeah, they're, they're those the sea cliffs. I remember like going through the channel under and then like we would get out and go look over the cliffs of Dover. It was mm. really cool. But yeah, I would assume it's just weathering yeah. of the slope. Huh. Pretty cool. Okay. Huh. Anyways, I'm sorry for the digression of silica, <laughs> yeah. but I think it's important that we don't just concentrate on one compound, just like what you brought up in your new news. We don't need to concentrate only on carbon dioxide, but also methane, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Brian. Brian. I know. But we have to keep an open mind and observe what we want to observe because people think, oh, scientists have then have discovered this. It's because they were looking for that half the time, right? Like they're they're conducting in- experiments to prove something yes or no. Yeah. And that's, that's the key thing is they're not always saying, hey, I want to prove this. Yeah. It's yes or no. If you don't include another attribute, then you may be missing something. And right. that's what I... I'm curious if if we have excess global warming like and more rain then are we going to have more silica introduced <laughs> No I don't Why think not? so I don't Why think not so. Why not I don't know <laughs> I'm going to find an answer. <laughs> prove it. <laughs> uh, so the word prove, it's, it's such a tough, it's a tough word. Yeah, I know. It I is. hate Science trying is. to do it with It's bread. not possible when you prove, when you prove the, mm-hmm. the it's dough. Al- it's almost not possible. To do it's that. not. And a lot of science and, and all of these things that we discover, they're happy accidents. And I was thinking of like happy accidents. And then I thought of that painter. What was that painter? Bob name? Ross. Yes. Because didn't he say something about happy accidents? Or Does my, he really? Like when he mess when you mess <laughs> Nocturnal up. Nocturnal emissions are happy he, accidents. You know, he's. I hope nothing bad has ever come out about that guy because I think of him as like a pristine human. Probably like Mr. Rogers. You know what? We're talking about Bob Rogers. Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about. No, we're talking about acidification. Yeah, acidification. But with that, that's what made me think of a silica because silica is <laughs> no, acidic. Right? Like silica is what it I is a form of acidification, this. right? So yeah, you have your carbonic acid, right? Carbonic. Let me let me talk about it because I had it. In you my know what you're talking and about. I'm gonna talk about this very close yeah. to the microphone. Acidification, it's actually a process in which carbon dioxide dissolves in seawater to form carbonic acid, which happens to be a very weak acid. This disassociates to hydrogen ions and bicarbonate. So when there's an increase in hydrogen ions in a solution, we know that we see a, or we observe a drop in pH, so it becomes more acidic. Now, typically ocean waters have an average pH of 8.1, which is actually basic. So as carbon dioxide levels increase due to human activities, the ocean absorbs the excess carbon dioxide resulting in the decrease in pH and then there you have it acidification yes dun 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 and so I just want to put like a little chemistry on this for a second okay so I remembered this and it was part of a rap that you made me show every person out there of me talking about isotope chromatography but I do want to point out strong acid so you said that that's what you're talking about is a weak acid weak acid yes So I'll say that weak acids, they don't fully dissociate in water. Strong acids, they're going to dissociate fully in water and they produce the maximum number of hydrogen ions. Hydrogen ions. I got my eye on you, Brian. Yes. That means that like if you had one mole of 
hydrochloric acid molecules, they'd all split to form one mole of H plus and one mole of Cl minus. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because strong acid and we says that doesn't mean like <laughs> you're going to like, oh my God, his arm's going to fall off. Like that, I, I've had that that thought before I went through science. Like strong acids really going to be more dangerous. Yeah, that's just that's what it means. It's 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 basically based on hydrogen. Yeah, no, but what I think what Greta was getting to is that that these the corals they're made out of CaCO three. Right. Now, like whenever you put hydrochloric acid on it, what happens? It effervesces, right? It, right. It goes through yeah. that. Yeah. So if you're so when the CO atmospheric CO two, like we know that it is easily soluble in water. CO two in general is soluble in water, so then it disassociates and it does this, like right here. So the CO two plus H two O creates that that bicarb like the carbonate. Yeah, yeah. I just our listeners has never heard us differentiate between those two, which oh, yeah. is kind of strange, but we haven't had an opportunity to bring it up yet. Yeah. So. Well, and I just want to say it's also interesting because this whole chemical reaction that we're talking about is really similar to what happens in blood because we have this mm. buffer system. The buffer. Yeah. Buffering system that kind of helps us to avoid these large swings in blood pH. Yeah. Okay. So you do have yeah. this, you have the, and, and also it's important to note that it's, it's going going in reverse too so it's not it's not it's not just going one way so whenever you have a, oh yeah yeah so yeah. it's it's a it goes both ways yeah this little arrow goes both ways so we can think of it like this so as co2 levels rise and acidification increases the biodiversity of the coral reefs will drop resulting in the elimination of key species needed for healthy reef formation in the decline of the structurally complex corals means that the reef will be much simpler there's going to be less habitat for the hundreds of thousands of species we associate with today's coral reefs. And sometimes millions from millions. The, the millions. Differentiated from billions. Yeah. Yeah, the two so, <laughs> Stop. Also, as more hydrogen ions enter seawater, any available carbonate ions will try to bind, resulting in fewer carbonate ions available for, for calcifying, oh. stop it, calcifying animals like corals and or oysters. 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 I did a poem last week on oysters. Oysters. I hate I missed that. So if pH gets too low, shells and skeletons can even begin to dissolve. And this is called shell dissolution. Wow. Yeah, so like what I think is cool about that is it, it does like, so it will fluctuate. Like where does it fluctuate? That boundary. So like if there's too much, the cells shells won't be able to even, they won't be able to make it whenever it's it gets. below neutral. Yeah, stance. so like it, so yeah. there, it's either going to, there's there's enough of the, the bicarbonate to make the calcium, the okay. CaCO3, or it's too acidic and it, and it results. So like they'll start to dissolve to neutralize yeah, to create that, that buffer. Sense. So, okay. but all of those factors act in concert on coral reefs so it's really this complex interaction between the threats that leave the coral reefs even more vulnerable so climate change will also bring sea level rise that may result in drowned coral reefs in more intense storms that produce excessive nutrient or sediment runoff right so the overfishing of herbivorous fish and excess nutrients decrease corals resilience in the face of increased carbon dioxide so rising ocean acidity actually lowers the threshold at which corals bleach yeah and then according to the IPCC's global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius report, if the ocean temperature rises 1.5 degrees C, coral reefs are projected to decline 70 to 90 percent 
more than Ugh, right now. So terrible. at 2% or not 2%, but at two degrees Celsius, we would largely destroy all of our coral reefs. Yeah. And, and these coral reefs provide us with food, construction materials, limestone. My house is right. Uh, yeah. And in new medicines, more than half of new cancer drug research is focused on these marine organisms. Yeah. There's like two, oh, I forget the two, but there's like two that are something's out mages. So, so the reefs offer shoreline protection and maintain water quality, and they are a draw for tourists, sometimes providing up to 80% of a country's total income, which is, I think, nutty. So like <laughs> 80% of like their GDP comes wow. from tourists coming to yeah. look at their coral reefs. I mean, if you're in With all their sunscreen. Yeah, and then they're just gonna Boom. break it off and and know, like, take it home, and they're because they're like, case. oh look, I'm part it's of so crazy people. Like I, I know, like I take rocks from places. Yeah, like that thing is dead. I think it's been dead. No, but like some of them aren't dead. They're just ripping it no, off. No, no, I know, but like but he's saying, well, if he takes home a rock, yeah. Well, they're not even. They weren't living to begin with. Right, I agree. Like what I'm just saying is there's a difference in like taking like a pebble from somewhere yeah. versus. Ripping off a piece of coral or bryozoan. I don't think people look at coral and think of it as a living they don't. organism. They, they think, think it's of it, hard. Yeah. And anything and, that's hard is not living. Because well, like we're soft in some ways, right? Like <laughs> I, I'm somewhat soft right here. Is it I'm, making you hard? I'm hooking myself. But like I do that. You you have to think of. I, I tell my daughter this all the time because she is obsessed with animals. I tell her all the time, I'm like, you love looking at that animal. Yeah. You're not showing love to the animal. You're you're loving its attributes and you're using them in a way that makes you happy. But you're taking yourself a, or that, that animal away from the equation on how it needs to live. And I've told her, let it be. Let because it be. then you'll get to see more of that. Kids will see more of that. That thing, if, if everyone did what you did just now it's going to disappear and and that may not be completely true but i want her to know that you know we just need to be one together we need to understand that we don't have to just pluck each other out of our position that we can just associate each other with who we are at that moment i agree totally i was just playing that was beautiful (laughs) where were we at yeah, you were just talking about how there's an 80% of the country's total income. Yeah. Which is nuts. I yeah. do think that's nuts. So losing the coral reefs would have profound social and economic impacts on many countries, especially small island nations like Haiti, Fiji, Indonesia, and the Philippines that depend on coral reefs for their livelihoods. Yeah, so I think we've uh, we've gone on enough, enough tangents. We in. really dove in. It may have been all over the place, but hopefully it conveyed a message of like what coral reefs are, the geologic kind of setting of them, and then hopefully some knowledge is... is, is, is well, that hopefully since we have a biologist here to check us, we're not sounding like morons. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to the longevity of the reefs. Oh yeah. Let's go. Woo! Reefs rock. Ooh, your, your glass is nice. Clink. Is an embargoes. Well, yeah, you the would say that. Never don't forget off, Greta. the clitoris. Don't omit the clitoris. <laughs> don't omit the clitoris. Don't forget don't about omit the, clitoris. the clitoris. You're talking to the the, the, I know, the liquor of the group. He is the liquor. I am the liquor. I'm the salty one. You are. All right. So, Greta, at the end of each episode, to kind of like when you eat sushi, like you take a bite of ginger to cleanse the palate. Well, we like to do what we call that freaking rocks. And so we 
we will Well, what we're going to talk about now is the worst genre of music. We all have our own musical taste of what we like, but what I wanted to get into a little bit was what we don't like. Just the one that just gets to you. Anybody want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Go go first. I want you to go first. Okay, so my absolute least liked genre hands down is this idea of hip-hop 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 i think that's what they call it. i don't know what else to refer wow. it to as i know it's my best friend austin he disagrees with me because his favorite person is shotgun shane it's his hero i'm, shotgun I'm kidding shane. <laughs> i'm imagining Google what all search this it. is can i look this yeah hold that on that sounds like a, i'm trying to refrain from uh no i'm thinking of like what i think that means and i didn't google hick hop is that something that you've just can i like watch a music yeah hold on hold on let me do this i'm going to to just no so it's so it's like this backwoods back it's like country but it's oh my god that's my cousin that's my everyone (laughs) 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 just kidding (laughs) ran away from oh no i like square body chevys This is Can we invite him on? I really want to like interrogate this guy on his music choice, why he chose beats, and why he sounds like Donuts, donuts, oh. a moron. Hey, can okay. I can I say oh, that? Gosh. Oh no, but that's like I think that's the most popular. Like if you look at the like Dude, people like just make their own hip hop. You're probably gonna hate me because within the next week I'm gonna send email after email to his PR team asking for an interview. Okay, because oh, dude, I no, don't get already... it. I don't get it. I don't understand how someone it's obvious this dude is just trying to make money. Mm. This is not music. But yeah, so we are all trying to make money. Yeah. We make money not but on we this do podcast. it to better the world. This is worsening the world. I know with their diesel. <laughs> but okay, so let me present to you some of the lyrics yeah, the music. of the okay. absolute worst. Please, so please. I've been busting my ass all week. Now it's time to go deep. Oh. Way out in the creek where the sycamore trees sway left to right. What Smoke f- a little tumbleweed till we high as a kite. And if you know me and my squad roll deep, bunch of trucks jacked up. <laughs> Ladies all brought a Jeep. Yeah, I don't. I got a question. What are you doing but I, in a creek? Modern creek. All the country girls want to ride with me because I'm crazy white boy. Dude, I'm, I'm totally this <laughs> guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably gonna happen. I'm sorry. Hey, you it's know gonna what? be episode with Dale. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to think of myself as a what was it? you said something about crazy white girl? What all the country girls? Country wanna... girl, not crazy white girl. Okay, country girl. I am a country girl. Okay, from where? From East Texas. Nice. Yeah. So, I like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did grow up near Nacogdoches, really? Texas, in a little place called Huntington, Texas. Do you know Jefferson, Texas? I do know Jefferson. Yes, I love that place. Yeah, so it's beautiful, piney wood. You know, I grew up in that area. Love all the people from that area. 
And yeah, this guy. Please tell me he doesn't represent what you know. Because he does, he does not, not represent my Jefferson He does people. not represent Huntington, Texas so, for sure. So, James, I am sorry. I'm going to have to do this. I'm I'm going to pull a musical and ask this guy for an interview. Why? I mean, you're not, you're not hurting my feelings. But I, were you going somewhere with that, Greta? No, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay. No, but well, he's, he doesn't, I, I appreciate he doesn't the like... Background. He doesn't like hick hop, so it's not hurting his feelings. No, 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 I know, but I didn't want him to think that I was like, uh, oh, we really like you. We want you on. Yeah, I want to approach this. I want to know more about this. I think it's ahead of time. The most awful music (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. But, but, But let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay, so what I think is interesting about this type of music is what I'm saying here is that it... You look at these type, this this group of individuals, and you assume that they like this type of music, Ooh. and then they kind of flip it on you, and it's like, no, we actually, you know, this is kind of more of a hip hop kind of sound, or like a, a, a like a rapping, which you would think is just like down home country, but money maker. I think that it's interesting. I feel you know, like it's appropriate. Like it's. Uh, I don't. You know, I can't. You can't fault them for appreciating or or capitalizing on the type of music that. <laughs> but, it speaks to them. Sure. So I have a question for all the people that actually would. Did you gag? Listen to this. So I come. I'm going to be a very strange person to talk to music about. James may be a more familiar person, but to me, this is an abomination. <laughs> Of music because and, and he he obviously presented this as his worst and I'm I'm fucking taking over so you know what James why don't you handle this okay well I'll keep a hot leg in my left hand with a Bud Light in my right <laughs> and my shotgun by my side by my side you can find me in a square body Chevy cruising down a back road I'm it's, sorry you're very angry right now I. I hate this stuff. Yeah, I know. I do. And I, I am mad at you for taking this because well, that yeah. was mine. That was my, like what I hate no, the most. No, you don't like, you don't like mainstream new pop. I had to pick that because you picked the other. Oh, okay. Well, all right. You snooze, you lose. I did. Snooze. Greta, what do well, you? What? Mine pales in comparison to that description. I'm just simply saying that if there's a <laughs> saxophone interlude, I don't like the song. That, oh, that's a, uh, that's a trauma. Know, you know, like saxophone's cool. Okay. No, okay. I, I will agree. With her, I, I I think my second G, are y'all favorite music, like Kenny G, no. Kenny G. Oh, who? Kenny G. Yes, no, yes. Okay, but I think it's because I'll be listening to a song. I'm like, oh, I really like the song, and then all of a sudden, the saxophone comes out of nowhere, like out of left field. What does it make you think of? I don't know. It like hits it. me deep. <laughs> I'll tell you what it makes me it's think gross. of. It makes me think I, of some stuff. I absolutely hate, like, so this, like, I don't like hip hop, but I'll tell you what I don't like almost equally as much as ska. I do not, oh, I do yeah. not like brass instruments in really? punky music. Like, oh, in no. punky music. So, or just period. So like, I don't I, like, can I, uh, get it out. Can I say something? Get it funny? out. So, on our new record, my, never mind. New record, we, the guitar tone I was approaching. For some of the leads and the heavy parts were very much brass oriented, and that's that different. Like, you were you even it's, said that this is completely more of a different. It's a track. cinematic thing. So like when you hear like you may know I don't you don't really care 
Lord of the Rings very much. No, I but don't like, say that. I like Lord of the Rings. I've read all the well, novels. You know, like when it flies over like Isengard and they're building up like like yes. all the orcs are doing stuff and you hear yeah. that brass like dun, 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 dun. That's different than it being in right. ska music. I agree completely. I, I really do. That's more of what I constructed my guitar tones after this time. So the leads are going to be like, you'll have this deep bass just movement and then all of a sudden an eruption of this guitar that's really brass oriented it's very strange i don't know if people like it but but but, I, but okay but it's so weird. like okay i will say this so them as i guess artists the people if, i i mean it's my personal taste but you make music because you like it makes you everyone makes music because they like it yeah or so they i mean i guess that's money. what they're doing i just personally don't like it i don't like anything that you presented as the stuff you hate and you in the saxophone realm, I get it. When Kenny G just keeps erupting with these fucking saxophone shit. You know what? I want to say that there was a song by his red hair. Your favorite, Walker, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that. Fuck. But I think he has a saxophone in some song. Does he really? Of course he does. That guy has ruined the R- Hobbit. Ruined. <laughs> You know what? Like, yeah. Why he, did he ruin the Hobbit? Because at the the end of the only movie of the Hobbit trilogy that made any sense, the rest are complete garbage. The first one, there and back again, right? <laughs> Fucking terrible. Can I just say that? The- and the Battle of Five Armies is a joke. Okay, but can I just say that the relationship between the dwarf and the elf made me uncomfortable? Okay, I was about to leave. Uh, (laughs) You made me very uncomfortable because I thought you were about to be like, that made me feel really good. No, no, I thought like... Thank you, because that would never happen. Angeline Lily, it did not mesh to me. Because... Kind of like... Do you know why? Because he's an elf. He's a dwarf. Yes, they hate each other. He was a cute dwarf, but... But they hate each other and he doesn't look like a dwarf they made him look like a normal human that's not what they look like they came from there was actually a god that made them and I, i'm sorry for derailing the podcast right now <laughs> I don't but, know what's going but, on right but now but really what happened is there was a god in the sequence of gods that made the dwarves because he didn't like how long the elf people would take to wake up and so <laughs> So what happened was he made these dwarves that were really good with metals and all this stuff, and he made them. But the other gods didn't like it, and the main god really didn't like it because he went against their stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what happened was... (laughs) He basically was like, okay, well, then I'll just let them sleep for a long time. The elves. No, the dwarves. So the god made the dwarves... So he made them do that. And what happened was he made these people that would be separate from the men and elves. And these dwarves came forth, right? And so you have these long-lasting different segments of dwarves. But what, what we know in Middle-earth are mainly Durin's folk. Durin's folk came from the iron, like what you would know as the Iron Hills and places like that. And and cobalt. I, I actually guarantee you cobalt is part of that. That's interesting. Another terrible pairing to me in, mo- in cinematic Top Gun. Tom, like Top Cruise Gun? Tom Cruise 
And that chick, it didn't mesh. Well, you don't think Ryan Gosling's hot, so I don't trust anything that you say Sorry. about it. Well, that girl is way better than... Her head was bigger than his head. It just is weird. She had nice... I can't see this stuff on here. No, my husband said that she it's because nice. she was older. Like, she needed to be older. Well, yeah, of course. And, and she, just, like, looked like an agent. Where are we? I, oh, yeah. So you you didn't like saxophones. No, a saxophone interlude. Is that what it's called? In the middle of a song. It just It reminds me. I don't know. It just gives me. It's ooky. Yeah. It's ooky. So if I was a saxophone player. Well, <laughs> I'd probably leave. <laughs> All right, I'm not well, doing any more podcasts you know with you, you saxophonist. I like it. I like that you're opinionated. So I'm going to say my most hated music recently other than what you introduced i i think that you you win the crown but mine's gonna be mainstream new pop and it's gonna seem cliche for me to harp on that because i play instrumental music is very very segregated from that style right like we don't have it we don't have vocals at all yeah, but do 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 I need, I need you? I need an example. But of what do you're talking you about. play? Have you never same? heard instrumental music? You wouldn't hear Brian's. No, 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 no. I, I need a, a, an example of what you're talking about in regard to like the weekend. Mm. I hate his music. Mm. I absolutely hate it. And Ed Sheeran. I I understand why Ed Sheeran writes the music he does. I don't like how he does. Why are you showing her my stuff? What do you mean your stuff? It's my band. Your stuff is covered. So, um. All right. So the way the world was, which is a quote from Samwise Gamgee. The whole album is based off of Lord of the Rings. Anyways. So what I don't like about it is I don't like repetition in a sort. Um, that they use words like I caught my daughter and I was like, Hey, like you're not completing your word. Like she'll be like, I want to go to the world. I'm what like, that where's the mean? D where's the D I need to know the completion of the world words in English language from what I've learned about you brought up poems, right? Like, yeah. There's a beauty to the language. Yeah. Very and even much so. in other languages there are, but why as artists now do we think we have the odd I'm gonna say it, the audacity. Audacity. To change what where a word should end just because you wanna sound cool and look cool on a video, on a reel on Instagram. You're so opinionated right because now. Because I fucking hate it. It is so terrible. It is a disgrace to songwriting. And I spend a lot of time songwriting. So tell me, what is this song saying? This song is called The Way the World Was. And it is basically about a volcano-rich era in Middle Earth that ancient gods erupted. And they tried to tell their people that they created how to behave. And the signature moments, like my melody right there, are about the answer back. Hmm. It is. It is nice. Thank you. But at least there's like meaning behind it. Mine's but just it's like, not. There's it no vocals. Right. It's like you have to immerse yourself. You know, Explosion of the Sky recently did a thing with PBS, and they're exploring the natural habitats of Texas. They're going through Big Bend, flying drones. So nice. Explosions in the Sky is the soundtrack to it all. Okay. So, 
I thought it would be cool to ask them. Yeah. To come on board. Yeah. Anyways, so this is this is what I play, but I really hate mainstream pop that is out there just to make an image out of music. Music doesn't need an image. It needs music and it needs a a a passion and a purpose. I really like that. We go heavy there, but yeah. I like heavy. But yeah, so if you're at their shows during this time of their it's band, very like, loud it, would and give bright. You, it would give you a seizure because <laughs> those lights were just like. Pop, pop, I want to come next time. Whoa. Yes. Please. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I, I hope you do. We're we're trying to plan till the end of COVID. Of Yeah. They oh, just so recently cool. got signed. We signed to a record label. You know what that reminds me of? Like when I was in fourth or fifth grade, we were listening to Shoot. Shoot. Oh, yeah. No, the name totally escapes me. Like, it was like um, a really big band. I'll think of it. I'll think of it in a minute. Mars Volta. No. Raging is the Machine. No. Tool. Way earlier than that. Nirvana. I was in the fourth grade. Bon Jovi. Fighters. Credence Clearwater Revival. No, it was like... The Eagles. No. The Beatles. <laughs> Dude, that's way too far. It wasn't like I'm, Led Zeppelin. I want. It wasn't... Maybe it was Europe. Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Maybe it was. Well, Pink they're Floyd. fucking badass. But there was... Overrated. This, them and Led Zeppelin. Overrated. Oh, God, dude. Can we go? There was this... There was this... Um, I remember my mom. She was dude. like m- major into MTV, like back in the day, like where it was like... Anyways, there was this one thing that I would watch and it would be this these guitar solos but but there would be this girl who would sing and it would just be her voice and it, she wasn't saying words God, what was that Inya? no it wasn't yeah. Inya. i'll have to I'm please gonna google, let us know i'm gonna google it i'm really curious it reminds Use me the Googles. of that it reminds me of that because it's just very pure yeah what well, it gets it's derived a lot from led zeppelin's when i think of instrumental obviously classical comes up but we're not worthy <laughs> Of a lot of those players, right? Mm. But Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, that was kind of the big push before Talk Talk, Sigur Ross. Have you mm-hmm. heard of that that band? Mm-mm. Mogwai. That does they sound have them familiar. They're they're and this will destroy you. They're probably not. But that's kind of like what this. It's a feeling of music. It's very depressing sounding, but it, it's it's hopeful at the mm. same time. Mm. I don't know how to say it. I show mm. James stuff, and I'm mm. like. Please don't think of this as a whole song. Oh, no, like, no, I, I don't. I, but I I try to give you my honest input in well, it. Well, I, like, I like that you do because we're not here to just please a post-rock no. vibe, you know? Yeah. Just as you're not here just to serve a, a rock crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, Brian, dude, we've been recording for three hours. But thank you, Greta, for joining oh, us. so fun. Can I come back? Yeah. We, we have a few... Points that we'd like to bring you back for. I yeah. yeah, I so. think evolution of humans and lactose intolerance. <laughs> I'd like right. to talk about the chemicals of the ocean. <laughs> chemicals. Oh, you did minor in chemistry. You know, I, chemistry. I have some stuff. We all have stuff. But oh, this has been another episode of Geology on the Rocks, and uh, we would like you to remember to be cool. Stay tuned and keep it on the rocks. rocks.